1: This is the Hagman and Hagman Report for today. It is November 3rd, 2016. A little break from protocol there at Real Tech, Eric. Yeah, that's right. We're coming to you live from our radio and television studios here in beautiful northwest Pennsylvania. We're five days out from the election, the most important, uh, really the most important election of our lifetime um, here in America. And for reasons that some people may not find 100 percent. For reasons that people may not believe to be the case. It's, uh, folks, I've been, uh, I've been spent much of the day involved in obtaining information about exactly what's going on behind the scenes with respect to the Clinton fiasco. And fiasco is the only word that I can use that doesn't, it's not profanity laced, I suppose. Um, a Drudge had linked to Rush Limbaugh, Mark Levin, Alex Jones, and, uh, uh, interestingly, he had linked to that for the live broadcast because the coverage is that critical. Now, the reason I'm bringing this up is I was on with Info, I was on with Alex Jones on InfoWars yesterday, and it's funny how the information that we talked about yesterday, the information I provided to, to, uh, during that broadcast was confirmed via the mainstream media last evening. Before we get into everything here, and we have a lot to get into, just want to remind people that we, uh, in fact, uh, broadcast live Monday through Friday, 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time, right here on the Global Star Radio Network. It's the place to be thanks for joining us and we uh, obviously we sample cast as well on YouTube Live we're on Blog Talk Radio as well so many venues to access our program 111 countries last year 64.5 million downloads and growing I want to thank each and every one of you for your support and your belief in us um, I also want to just address this very quickly I believe that right now things can go sideways, not sideways by definition of not law enforcement sideways in terms of their definition of sideways I I think things could very well go sideways I was talking to Steve Quayle earlier today and uh, as usual and we were talking about a couple of different uh, things, however it's our belief that really between now well, for the next 45 days or so this is really the most dangerous time in modern American history trust me when I tell you that there are a lot of things taking place behind the scenes right now I'm going to get into this a little bit Uh, um, there are things taking place behind the scenes that that, uh, a lot of people are in cover their butts mode a lot of people are being faced uh, right now, tonight. A lot of people have hard decisions, difficult decisions to make. I know this from my source. Inside the Beltway, they're, they're being faced with uh, some difficult decisions. When I say difficult, I suppose uh, it wouldn't be difficult for the average normal person with, with integrity and with morals. But, uh, you know, these people, many of these people, including some of the conservatives, including some who identify as Christian or, or just plain religious or spiritual. Um, they're not like us. And that's the most difficult thing to really understand. These people are not like us, folks. They are not... They, they don't have the spiritual or moral compass. And that's really a critical thing to understand. There's... Um, the investigation, the behind-the-scenes investigation, and you, you may or may not have heard anything today. Um. about about the newest, you know, things that are taking place. But just let me touch a few things, and I'm going to kick it over to Joe here, uh, and then uh, he can kick it back to me, because I've got. I've got some e- extremely important information that will expand upon what I spoke about yesterday on on Infowars that will provide additional information, critical information because it, just to show you exactly how tenuous the situation is and how dangerous the situation is. Just understand this, the investigation that's taking place, not just the visible one but the one behind the scenes is more expansive, more extensive, it's more intensive than anyone has any idea. There has been an investigation into the Clinton Foundation, the Clinton Global Initiative. It's been 15 months. They've been investigating this for 15 months, folks, 15 months. I'm, talking, I'm saying the FBI and other agencies, I'm going to leave it at that, have been investigating the Clinton Foundation for the last 15 months. No one expected anything to be made known about this investigation before the elections. What you saw in the consequential letter by Comey was a result of the findings on October 3rd by elements, by, by by patriots working for the task force that includes the uh, NYPD, New York State Police, the FBI, and other agents as well. I think the only the if I can, I just sure. want to jump in here. The Go only hope I have with this investigation
2: is the NYPD, and if they really have what is being reported, that sources say they have, they do. I mean, I can. I'm.
1: I well, I that. mean,
2: we've heard a lot. Um, and we've seen a lot. And the problem with the FBI and the DOJ, there's already been in the investigation. I mean, and from the WikiLeaks email releases, we've seen the the bribery scandals have been proven. What they call pay to play. The Yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, there's been an, there's already so much information out there. They could arrest her and her whole, all these people who are who are related to this, um, just based on the. The acts, the money for access, the bribery stuff that they have. I mean, they they really could arrest the whole organization, um, depending on who you know benefited from it and who was part of it and making it happen. And the, the the one big problem I have with the DOJ and the FBI, we've already seen the Department of Justice turn the FBI off from um, pursuing further legal matters into uh, this Clinton probe, but they still answer to the same people in the doj and the fbi
1: no no i'm going to tell you not not this group (laughs) not this not this not this group um you've got the visible um investigation you've got the investigation that's being directed by comey and uh that's being overseen or was being overseen by lynch and to some extent still is and that's of the clinton foundation but you don't have what 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 you're not seeing is the parallel investigation by by a group of others who are saying enough. I've seen enough. We've seen. If you're not going to make this information known, then we will.
2: And that's what I said. The NYPD is the the only hope I have if they are actually
1: on top of this as much as as we've been hearing, which I hope they are. Uh, well, and, and they are. And remember now. now uh, folks, I've been saying now for at least a week, I think, that the laptops of Heather Samuelson and Cheryl Mills were not destroyed as thought, as believed. Remember that, folks? You remember me saying that last week, I believe it was. Brett Baer came out and made that admission last night on Fox News. Made big headlines. Big headlines. Oh my goodness. You, you know. Not for what you just said, but for talking about the, the,
2: the chances of, of an indictment coming well, this soon, true. Right and after he, he talked back, right after he he talked about the indictment, he did mention that the FBI still had the devices in their custody. Well, yes, which is something that you've been saying for at least a week or ten days or more.
1: That's right. And that the other is, I'm saying this is not to say, you know, wow, you know, whoa, whoa, whoa how great I, I am. No, this is to say that. And this verifies the, the legitimacy, the solid. Um, the, the, this really authenticates my source. Not that this individual needs any type of validation, because I know who this person is, but you don't. So that's a piece of information that um, that's you know really important. Um, and again, as we've been, as I've been saying, uh, the emails that were believed to have originated, well, not believed to. Emails that were on, or that originated from Hillary Clinton were found on Anthony Weiner's lap, laptop. Now, the, the process, how they got there, everyone is saying, well, you know, the syncing, the cloud storage, the syncing of the, an iPhone. Okay, there's another, there's a whole other part to this. Um, the, uh, the server, Hillary Clinton Clinton server, was now that this this was also um, mentioned by Brett Bear, was hacked by at least five foreign intelligence agencies. Data was indeed transferred. Now, Fox News has this up um,
2: right in, in the form of an article, as well as many other places do. They say sources: 99% chance foreign intel agencies breached the Clinton server. And they actually have um, dates as well as um, nations. They suspect uh, that got in access to her private server, and they, it goes back to twenty ten in through twenty fourteen after she left the State Department. And uh, I think they they said at least five
1: uh, right five nations, right.
2: but they uh, China I think was one of them, Russia was one of them, but the. Um, they say this, that authorities now believe a 99% chance that up to five foreign intelligence agencies may have accessed and taken emails from Hillary Clinton's private servers, two separate sources, with intimate knowledge of the FBI investigation, told Fox News. And even the House uh, Homeland Security Committee Chairman Michael McCall described Clinton's handling of her email system during her tenure as Secretary of State as treason, treasonous. Okay, and th- that word treason
1: is important. And that's the uh, Homeland Security Committee <coughs> Chairman Michael McCall. <coughs> These people knew about this. For the for the most part, they knew about this. Um, well, when the initial diagnostics, the initial inspection analysis of the server was done, they they knew about this as well. They knew about this. I guess I, I'm going to stop there. But there's there's another as important aspect to this. Again, remember when I said they took the router. They're building a case, or at least they are showing that that, or they're attempting to uh, not attempting, but they're but they're collecting evidence to support the possibility that uh, data transfer there was data transfer indeed uh, knowingly. This was a password-protected router. This had security on it, at least the basic security. And um, the indications are that information was transferred and shared with another device. The other device is identified through a specific address. Uh, Maybe my terminology is not exactly 100% on this. I'm not an IT guy. But they can tell which device it went to. If you follow that breadcrumb trail, the word treason does apply because ultimately what we're looking at ties into something else I'm going to get into momentarily, but but we're looking at uh, uh, the Islamic countries, specifically Qatar and Saudi Arabia, uh, were the recipients of data from Clinton through Huma Abedin, Using Wiener's devices. Okay, now, I want to take you, just I want to draw your attention to something else very quickly that, that is, that is part and parcel to this. There was a massive data theft in 2009 that took place. This, this is off of Drudge Report right now, and this was told to me earlier. I didn't quite know how this fit into things. The State Department emails Clinton White House data stolen from National Archives. A newly released email from the State Department shows that Hillary Clinton was informed in April of 2009 of a massive theft of data pertaining to Bill Clinton's White House records. Now, What does this mean? Well, let me reference some more here to give you some context. On April thirteenth, two 2009, Cheryl Mills, and this is a name. Cheryl Mills is, in my view, I I guess I have to couch everything with, in my professional opinion. You're going to hear a lot more about Cheryl Mills. You're going to be hearing a lot more about uh, Heather Samuelson, Brian Pagliano, but for now, Cheryl Mills informed Clinton that the National Archives could not account for a two-terabyte hard drive. All right, the hard drive contained information from the administration of Bill Clinton during, uh, you know, during his presidency. Now, the, the, um... This is beyond, I mean, this is so incredibly important. Just allow me to digress a moment, because we've seen this happen before. You've got a 2-terabyte hard drive missing from the National Archives. If you go back to 1946, and again, I I just want to set this up because I think this is so important. I'm just going to hit this as hard as I can right, right now. Go back to the summer of forty six. A State Department official by the name of Samuel Klaus wrote up a long, a confidential memo about security problems that were plaguing the Department of State. Boy, seems like the Department of State Department has has had problems. It was a hundred and six page report, and you've heard me talk about this before. It was a hundred and six page report that was dated August 3rd 1946 that contained the names personal information and some startling revelations about people the number of Soviet agents that were on the State Department payroll in other words the communist infiltration of the Department of State this goes back to 1946 the um this, this memo was incredibly important. Um, Elger Hiss was on. I mean, just to give you one example, Elger Hiss was on. But these were Communist Party members that had infiltrated the, the Department of State back in 1946. Now, before you start yawning and saying, I don't want a history lesson, I'm not really giving you a history lesson. I'm just making uh, putting what happened today or what was revealed today on the mainstream media in context. It was back. It was in 1950 that um, during the height of the loyalty security fur back then um, that was raging around the State Department. Senator Joe McCarthy learned about this memo, and just went bananas. Okay, and said, "Man, we got to do something about this." Now I'm, I'm referencing, I'm referencing from, um, this is this is included in the book called "Blocklisted by History" by M. Stanton Evans. To fast forward here, um, well, all right, so there, a memo turned up missing in 1946. Four years later, McCarthy comes on the scene wars a memo. Um, one of the most revealing documents ever put together about the communist infiltration into the Department of State, the U.S. government was, uh, that, um, that uh, I mean this is a top secret special access program type document. All right when M Stanton Evans went to research the the uh, McCarthy things like that memo and such uh, for the purposes of writing his book he notes that the National Archives of the United States, has all of the, contains, they they hold all of these documents, they hold all of the data, they hold all of this, just as the 2-terabyte hard drive. Therefore, this 106-page document should have been in the National Archives. But here's where it gets kind of twisted. Um, In the index to the papers of Samuel Klaus... Which is the aforementioned memo. The document was listed as it being there in, in, in the National Archives. The file was brought out, was examined by M. Stanton Evans. It was discovered that the file was missing, the memo was missing. The file contained a notice where the memo had been saying it had been withdrawn from the National Archives in You ready for this? 1993. Now, wait a minute. You got a 1946 memo, or a memo written in 1946, of communist infiltration into the Department of State. The National Archives has a copy of it. M. Staten Evans goes to the National Archives in 1993, or goes to the National Archives, and in the... um, in the, where the memo should be, a note saying that it was withdrawn from the National Archives, taken, removed from the National Archives in March of 1993. That's the second time this memo vanished. The first time was from uh, the papers of Klaus Klaus. This is one of many Cold War papers, Cold War era communist papers that had gone AWOL. There were two, uh, two dozen other documents, um, from the State Department relating to security issues, communist infiltration, spying, that were supplied to the, uh, the National Archives as well. Now you have to understand, these were congressional reports. Beautiful covers, you know, nice covers on the reports. The covers were there, the guts, the papers were gone. You might think, so what? You know, all of this is nice, but yawn. Well, no, don't yawn, because you've got to ask yourself this, and that's all I'm gonna. <sighs> yeah, there you go. I'm kidding. Okay. What would possess someone from removing a document dating 1946, dated 1946, from the National Archives a half a century later?
2: That's uh, that's something on there that surpasses time as far as, uh, the content. Right. And by the well, way, you have stuff never from JFK assassination that, that's still classified and will be classified through 2027. You have nine eleven documents that are going to be classified for a hundred Classification's
1: Classification is different. I'm talking about somebody walking into the National Archives, Sandy Berger, and uh, taking things without authorization. You're not allowed to take stuff out of the National Archives. Except when you're Sandy Berger, then then when you get caught, you know, you you get spanked, verbally spanked and dressed down and then told to go home and sit down and be quiet. But anyway, now you've got today, not quite 50 years, this is just from 2009, a 2-terabyte hard drive that's missing from the National Archives that goes back to to Bill Clinton's presidency. The press, the media, the bloggers, everyone out there, folks, do so not underestimate how important this is. The
2: information on that was not
1: printed out and kept in a, in a hard copy form. There were backups made. And I'm, I'm not going to even mention where the backups are. Goodness knows they could disappear too. But what's important about this, remember the word treason. Well, let's forget about the word treason just for a moment, just espionage and Hillary Clinton or has espionage and the Clintons at the epicenter of the espionage is the pay to play for the Clinton foundation. Again an investigation that's been that's it's been 15 months since it was opened Now you can see that in 2009 this goes back to 2009 now Cheryl Mills informs Hillary hey guess what a two terabyte hard drive from when when your husband, was the president in the White House oh and when you were first lady that stored at the National Archives that contained emails that contained or not emails that contained um, um, documents from uh, the uh, do, uh, documents the uh, state sensitive secret documents it's gone from the National Archives <laughs> you heard what happened with the Klaus memo That's just one small thing, and plus a couple of dozen other papers. Fifty years after the fact, isn't it interesting? Nineteen ninety-three was it was uh, missing, signed out, missing, gone. That's fifty years after the fact. Now, in two thousand and nine, after what a decade, uh, almost a decade of, of the Clinton presidency, this two terabyte hard drive is missing. What you have to ask yourself: What did that contain? The 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 comparison between the two is that our history, our the documentation is being gutted, evidence is being removed as we speak. That two terabyte hard drive contained a lot of information, dealings with China, dealings with foreign entities by Bill Clinton, in his capacity as president. That was care that were carried on. Uh, with with Hillary as Hillary Clinton is uh, in the Department of State spying, espionage, information for money, selling out your country, it is all but proven. This is all but Exhibit A for the court. and to be right back. You're listening to the Hagman Report. I'm Doug Hagman. Joe Hagman together, America's premier father-son investigative reporting team. Hagman, the Hagman Report, coming to you, exposing the culture of criminal corruption by the Clinton cabal. But folks understand, it's more than Hillary, Diane Rodham, Clinton. It's more than that. This is the corruption of the Uniparty. Why do you think there's such a, a... Pushback against releasing this information. Why do you think that Congress wouldn't convene? And why do you think, for example, there wouldn't be grand, at least at the very least, a grand jury impaneled, if not a special prosecutor named in this case? Because everyone's hands are dirty. Everyone's hands are dirty. That includes on the right and on the left. It's almost like you dangle a hundred dollar bill in front of these people. What happens? I mean, they're they're corrupted. This is not limited to the Clintons. When this hits the fan, and it will, it's going to have stink on a lot of people inside that Beltway. But I left off, and I'm going to I'm going to hit this. um, I'm going to I'm going to tell you where this particular. Drive that you're. I, I hope. Well, at least from us, you're going to be hearing more about this. The drive that went missing in oh9 Interestingly, right before Hillary was placed into the position of Secretary of State. But having said that, um, I'm going to. Th- this. I want to address something that that involves the Chinese as well. But before we do that, I want to mention, folks, if you haven't done so already, now would be a great time to get your preps in order, one of the most essential preps in my view. If you've got the food, the long-term storable food, or even if you don't but you cook on a stove, and you have a supply or power disruption. What are you going to use? The Minuteman Rocket Stove is the perfect, absolutely perfect survival cooking stove for you and your family. It is a wood-burning stove, just a few sticks and twigs anywhere. You can, you can find it in downtown or in, in the middle of the Bronx. Just, it requires only a small amount of sticks, twigs for fuel. You're always going to be able to find enough fuel for the Minuteman stove and it turns that into a furnace. It's just fantastic. Now the Minuteman rocket stove is made like a, like a tank. I mean, look, it's fully insulated. It's got ceramic refractory insulation. It directs the heat specifically on what needs to be warmed up or heated, which results in cooking power comparable to a kitchen stove. It can also be used You can sit it on a picnic table because the outside doesn't get hot because of the insulation. It's an ammo can. It's a fifty caliber ammo can that's designed to keep the heat in, not out. It's designed to keep the smoke down. So if the smoke, uh, you know, if if that is is of concern to you, no worries there. Minutemanstove.com. Minuteman stoves are made in America. They're made in America. They're made in America. Minutemanstoves.com. And, you know, not only are they made in America, they are also serving with our troops overseas in Iraq and Afghanistan. These things are handmade. They're battle-proven. They're extremely rugged. Minuteman Stove has come with a two-year warranty, no hassle warranty. But you know what? No one has ever filed a claim on that. Folks, visit MinutemanStove.com. That's MinutemanStove.com. We have one. Both Joe and I have one. It's, oh, by the way, it's got a seal on top for the lid. It's just fantastic. The best there is, the Cadillac of Rocket Stoves. That's minutemanstove.com. I fired mine up, uh, I think, two weekend, not this last weekend, but the week before
2: that at my house to show my wife how it worked, and she loved it, too. Um, It's great, man. Yeah, and we boiled uh, a pot of water on there, and uh, I forget what we, we put in there, but yeah, it worked very well. Um I mean we started fires in there before, but actually taking the, the pot out in there and, and using it as it's
1: intended, it worked works pretty like well. A term. The 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 missing the missing hard drive, the reference to the forty six, nineteen forty six memo from the National Archives, all of this um obviously shows that the espionage is still taking place. But but I found something here And I was actually directed to something, and I found something about the Clinton presidency. Of course, we all know what was going on during that time. Throughout the Clinton presidency, Chinese agents gained access—unprecedented access—to sensitive parts of the executive branch. Of course, it was not gained through subterfuge. No one had to go through the back door or climb through the window. But through illegal and secretive campaign contributions from Asian businessmen with ties to the Chinese military. You remember, ladies and gentlemen, this, the Clinton Chinese connection. Remember Johnny Wong? Okay, in the late 1990s, the Senate Governmental Affairs Committee found that top Chinese liaison, Johnny Wong, later sentenced to a probation uh to probation for violating campaign finance laws he was given extraordinary access to the white house and guess what from court records specifically and especially to the first lady's office meaning hillary clinton the committee's final report on this said and i quote there can be no question that that Wong's contributions to the Democratic National Committee helped give him access to the president and the first lady see what we're talking about here is a continuing course of criminal conduct from the from the first day that Bill Clinton assumed office as the president and Hillary as the first lady i was amazed I was absolutely amazed when I was going through documents, going through books, going through um, various entries. I was absolutely blown away, even though I heard this back when it was taking place. I heard this in the two, and I've read this. Do you know that it was not just Bill Clinton, but it was Hillary Clinton who really led the charge with the campaign money using the clout of Bill but she was the she was holding the bag. She was the she was the money carrier, and this is this is verified and validated by Senate, by congressional investigative reports. Let me read this one more time. This one uh, this one uh, uh, finding that Johnny uh, Johnny uh, Wong, later sentenced to probation for violating campaign laws, was given. Extraordinary access to the White House and specifically and especially to the first, to the office of the first lady, meaning Hillary Clinton. There was a direct nexus between Wong's visit to the White House and his contributions. This is going back into the nineties now. In fact, White House officials collected money from him in the first lady's office. They collected cash money in Hillary Clinton's West Wing office. In exchange for permitting him to bring a delegation of clients into the White House, Johnny Wong and his company donated $366,000 to the DNC, made at least 49 visits to the Clinton White House between 1994 and 1996, and in 1995, he told the Los Angeles Times that he saw the White House like a subway. You have to put in coins to open the gates where is the media my goodness people listen to me they are selling out in 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 particular hillary clinton has sold this country out to foreign interests and when she was first lady i i'm not even sure i can use that i'm not even sure that's an accurate term first lady Maybe first might be accurate. Lady, I'm not so sure about. 366 grand to the DNC between 94 and 96 in the office of Hillary. And Wong comments to the LA Times. Yes. No, White House is like a subway. You have to put coins in it to open the gates. Clinton's a gatekeeper controlling access to to his wife when or was a gatekeeper when she was senator. she came on her own became on her own when she was Secretary of State. This goes back to the nineties I guess that the thing I want everyone to understand is what you're seeing today was is part and parcel that that drive that hard drive that is missing the two terabyte hard drive addresses the selling for cash selling out of our country now how in the world can anyone ladies and gentlemen excuse Hillary Clinton with that joker smile and I'm dead serious when I say this I've been in contact with a couple of corporate media people to explain about this, when I say corporate media, I'm talking syndicated media to be well, I'm just going to leave it at that. I'll, I'll see what they do with this. But ladies and gentlemen, understand how deep this is. This is not just about the emails. This is not just about. Oh, I was careless. Hillary Clinton set the server up for the reasons I'm telling you, so she would have unfettered and unmolested ability to sell. Out our national secrets, without per you know, without the purview of of any oversight or inspector general. Which, by the way, the State Department and, and she fought against having an inspector general overseeing the State Department during her tenure. You realize there was no act, or there was no uh, permanent inspector general who oversees the actions of the State Department. That's the espionage that's the pay to play that's the Clinton foundation right here this is the iceberg that is visible or at least some of it that's visible that people can say oh yeah okay yeah I heard something about that what's underneath the water the iceberg is even bigger and that pertains to the sexual depravity of the people and guess what the sexual depravity is the same thing that's also keeping Hillary Clinton alive, because the depravity of the sexual activities of Clinton, and I'm not talking about Bill in this case, or just Bill in this case, but Hillary as well, and Huma, and Anthony Weiner, their associations with the Saudis, with other Middle Eastern countries. I suppose I should say this is all alleged, and in my opinion, that is about ready to come out. And if it does, I mean, it has come mess- out well, to an extent, not the, to the extent. No, you have. Well, I mean, we're talking about the, the money yet.
2: and the. the I mean, we already know Saudi Arabia paid Clinton State Department $13 million and turned around and got $495 million arms deal. Um, and then that's one of the things that bothers me, you know, talking about all this, you know, this bribery evidence that's been back from the first Bill Clinton White House, yet they still remain in power. And one of the reasons is, you know, you have people like James Comey, who has time and time again helped, uh, cover the tracks of the Clintons through, get investigations swept under the rug. Um, then you have, you know, the, the different, uh, Mysterious deaths and and things that happen and,
1: and uh, that's right, and the, the deaths by the way, but all of it Seth leads rich to, including and especially Seth Rich, the latest Joe, and you're right on the money with this, I know you were looking really hard at this, that was absolutely, can be in my view can be absolutely connected to Hillary Clinton, but go on, I mean sure it, it can um
2: and it seems like these these people who you know the, what are we on the twenty eighth release of the podesta emails and you yeah, we, 28 we, we've days got them now.
1: all people we got them
2: all but see that's just the the problem i mean they i the same people are in charge you know like i said the fbi you have comey You have Lynch' the, the doj i just don't see unless you know like pastor langford said last night unless god allows a miracle which surely can happen if people come together
1: and pray there will uh, be something. No, you see, and, but uh, no, I understand what you're saying. I don't see this going anywhere. I don't see. I, I see it as, a dis- as I, mean, I see it as a distraction
2: from. You know, they're they're going to steal the. I mean, what happens if Steve Pchenik is a week is from the today? Face we're so, sitting here, but, no, no, and there is a uh, Hillary Clinton, president elect, and still all this talk about investigations that has gone
1: nowhere when i tell you this i mean it would be different if you didn't have this group of patriots that that are have said okay you know what we've seen enough we at this point if we do nothing then we are just as guilty of espionage and treason as these people are so we have to we have to right now do what we have to we whatever must be done in order to to release this to the public and uh, joe okay in fairness to you i understand your frustration but let me tell you something they, that frustrated. I'm beyond or, frustrated. Or, or Or the practicality of it. But listen to me. They've got the goods. Now one might say, well, if they've got this stuff, why not just release it? Right? That makes sense to me. It makes sense to everybody. If they got all this stuff,
2: just release it. If they're really stopping wanting to stop her from gaining power into the White House and they had the evidence, why not Okay? I mean, it's not like unless they made a big enough push and the
1: evidence was was that um yeah, he, damning. But, the mainstream media would have to pick it up yes but here's how it was explained to me they've got the evidence yes they are going to release it but releasing all of the evidence would place our national security at risk all right these these and so well, is Hillary Clinton president well wait a second but 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 wait see these people Look, you've got, you've got the, the people who want to burn this country to the ground. They don't give a damn about this country mm-hmm. or their children or their grandchildren. They could care less. They'll sell it out. And if it, the country burns down to the ground, it doesn't matter. But see, the people behind this that are pushing for this, yeah, they, they will get this information out, but not at the expense of our national security, not at the expense of, um, uh, not at, not at the expense of potential war by other countries. Not at the, they will, this will happen. Let some of the democratic process work. Believe in the constitution. How, it, do, do your best to conform to the constitution. And I'm not making excuses. I'm just saying, look, they don't want, they don't want to see the country burned to the ground. Just imagine this. I'm, um, imagine, uh, I'm trying to think of an analogy that, that would be suitable. I, I don't know. Imagine, uh, um, You know the reaction by uh, African Americans by the police shootings, right? Uh, The shootings of killings of unarmed blacks, and how that's amplified. Imagine that a thousand, you know, fold or ten thousand fold in this country. Do you want to see? I mean, if would you want to be responsible for that? Would you want to be responsible for that kind of civil unrest, violence, and the, the you know the scorched earth policy behind? So the group here that's pushing for this, they don't want this country destroyed. They want the information out. And just because there's this period or this, this this oh, this delicious interest, I, I want to see it. Oh, show me. Well, wait a second. Think about the consequences. Yeah, it, things will get out. But we're going to do it. Do it right. Do it properly. I don't know if that makes sense. But you don't want to destroy the country in the process. The very country you're trying to save in the process. Do you? I mean, does that make sense to you? Or it does, but I don't see how
2: releasing a specific evidence showing, I and mean, there already is evidence showing the the pay to play or bribery uh, crimes that that Clinton, Hillary Clinton, and her inner circle have. Uh, committed from. I was kind of uh,
1: surprised at you though, because you've been involved I, in their investigations long enough to know I'm, I, well, know, you, I know. You don't you don't tip your hand. I mean, but you, this is a, if you like you said at the beginning of the show,
2: and I agree with it. This is the most important election in history, just like the, it yeah. was you know years ago, a few years ago, the last election. It seems like any time anymore, this is where we are in our country and there's a, a great write up i'm not going to be able to, to read it all but i want to direct people there cuz there's a there's a student at, at columbia who makes a uh, it's the young uh, cons.com columbia university made me vote for donald trump by a benjamin sweetwood and i would urge everybody to read that i'll post it on our on our website here well and it talks right. about the you know the just the chaos the left creates the divide the social uh the snowflake social justice warriors and he, and he, Gives a, like, it's a very long detailed thing. And, but we see that we're, we're at this crossroads in the country. And you have a person like Hillary Clinton about to, she's, she's the nomination, the nominee for the Democratic Party. And you have Donald Trump. Not only does Hillary Clinton have the advantage in that her party's in power and they they have been in a, you know, communist uh, takeover of this country for years. But they're in power now, and they have the the ability and the media behind them to steal the election, to take it and and because uh, if you, and I was going through this before the show. You know, Donald Trump. They said he couldn't win the the primary. He couldn't he couldn't win the Republican nomination. The media wrote him off. the The party wrote him off. He wins, right? And then the media continues to write off. Oh, he can never beat Hillary Clinton. How many times have we seen the polls? Oh, you know, there's no way. The vote's already over. Uh, She's going to win because of the electoral college. They started the Never Trump movement. Uh, He gains more
1: momentum. Republicans and conservatives and Christian conservatives, what I call the contemptible Christian conservatives, are a part of that movement, the the sanctimonious fools. But I digress. And you have all these issues with Hillary Clinton after the
2: primaries, after she became the nominee, her health issues. All this criminal stuff that has been going on with her, well, Donald Trump has been getting stronger in the polls, stronger in his live audience outreach, and the you know the live crowds on YouTube, his social media following all these indicators that show he is you know i would say five times five to one ahead of any uh actual uh, right. popular right. vote in the uh, in the yeah. u s and Hillary Clinton's getting debate questions given to her so she can have some kind of edge ahead of time and using uh the debates to just attack Donald Trump without addressing the policy issues that were asked in some of those questions. She's very weak, and it shows that she's very weak. Everything that she's been doing, the photoshopping of campaign rallies, the having to cover up and and just constantly deflect from all these scandals that have been going on, making up scandals about Donald Trump that are actually, uh she's guilty of just to mirror and, and to deflect more. Well, Trump's been getting stronger and stronger except the media has been working for the Clinton campaign.
1: Of course. Sure, sir. They're oppressing the
2: the Donald Trump uh, popularity and uh, rising Hillary Clinton's unpopularity. I just read a a story that said her unfavorability rating is above that of Donald Trump's, over 60% in the country. Right. Which, how can she eat? I mean... It's just beyond, beyond mind boggling to think that she even has a chance without stealing the election. Now, well, my whole point is, they, that they will. she's like one of the worst people in the history of the world to to run for president. If these people don't step up and, and at least show the American people, uh, well, I mean, they have to some degree the, the proof from the emails, but and more if they is have coming. This, I don't see how they can, the country's going to burn if they don't do it. The country, was well, they're, so trying, they're trying to keep the country from burning yeah, I mean,
1: that's, but, that's but, but there's point. also,
2: okay. If you let Hillary Clinton win,
1: there, there, it's game it's, over. It's, anyway. Okay. If you have that information
2: I, and you don't use it and you let her win, you're doing just as big as a disservice as if you didn't do anything You're, you're
1: dealing with foreign interests, you're dealing with national security secrets, you're dealing with a lot of things. If you think that you, you know, look, that... This goes beyond any kind of... I mean, what of, could
2: come out that would be more damaging or, or that would make the country burn down or start, you know... Um, because this involves... itself themselves
1: apart that we have... I mean, we've seen so much stuff from this. Yeah, I. I but, but you ask that question so cavalier-like, you got to understand, this involves people on both sides of the aisle. This involves uh, lawmakers, uh, you mm-hmm. know, at, at the Gang of Eight. This involves past and present lawmakers. This involves... People high within the Department of Justice, you know, it, it, but what you just throw a couple of pictures out there, and we'll say, or a couple of documents out there. Oh, those are photoshopped. Remember the pushback from the uh, from the the uh, birth certificate. Oh, that you know. Uh, well, here's my birth certificate. Well, it was a bunch of BS. It wasn't the birth certificate. Uh, it, There was nothing like that. Now with the pictures and stuff, all those are photoshopped. You've got to (laughs) overcome the, and this is a very fine line. I'm not making excuses, but you've got to, you've got to have strike a balance between providing authenticate information that could be authenticated, or photographs that could be irrefutable, documents that could be irrefutable. Uh, You gotta balance that against releasing too much information that would involve foreign powers or other foreign countries that by disclosing what you've got, by showing the espionage, would invite, uh, potential foreign entanglements. While the other side of this, releasing too much, do you want a, do you really want to be responsible? Would you want to be responsible for the, uh, uh, a civil war, well, a, see, that's a where they shooting have war in place. I don't see a civil war happening because half of
2: Washington D.C.'s elected officials get taken down. Okay, but I don't you, see you, it happening.
1: But, it, but you've they got have have deep, in place for it. See, uh, and, and and this is this is why I'm so frustrated. Maybe I'm not articulating it. Is it me where I'm not articulating the reasons? Well, I, I guess
2: the reasons aren't. You say national security implications. I understand foreign government entanglement and, and espionage, and you know the risk of maybe outside attacks
1: well um, right and, but there, there's look
2: you go back to okay that's there, like you protecting you're shielding a criminal for the criminals for the sake of not having a riot almost is what
1: you're saying we're not Which talking about not just a, a small thing we're talking about burning this country to the ground and this is what these people would actually do if I'm going well, down everyone's them, though, going right? down oh man you know what Watch Hagman we No, yeah, I agree. I agree. But, but, you know, so for once, people have got friggin' morals and, and concern. Maybe I'm not understanding it
2: right. Brandon, Brandon House is our guest coming up next. Um,
1: he will be with us. Worldviewweekend.com. And, and by the way, watchhagmanreport.com. I'll be putting a lot of this information. My office looks like a fourth year or third year law student with books. Papers everywhere, stuff taped here and there, and we'll be talking about this more. You can't. Yeah, still debating this right behind us, Yeah, we're fired up here, right here at the Hagman Studios. We're, can you tell we're fired up? Look, folks, there's a lot to come out. Please, if you go to HagmanReport.com, please do that. Um, a little taste of what we didn't address tonight. Compliments of Infowars, Alex Jones, on the Hagman Report, and you know what, folks? If you like what you saw, definitely send Infowars an email. They they read them all their emails, and let them know that you you know you, you appreciated him having me on, and uh, because we've got to work together. All of the alternative media has got to work together right now in this moment, at this moment. We can't be firing on one another. We can't be knocking each other around. We've got to work together because the stakes are too important. The lives of your children and grandchildren. And say you might say, oh, a bunch of hyperbole. Really? Really now. Look at the headlines. Pick up a newspaper. And and it, it, it's almost uh <laughs> that's almost laughable. But wake up and smell the coffee. Understand where we're at and the dire situation, the dangerous situation, where we're at. Folks, before we get to our guest this hour, TexasReady.net. TexasReady.net. Have you visited TexasReady.net? This is a phenomenal uh, company. They sell seed banks. They're rated the highest in the world. You know, when when I saw this, and we, we met the, we met listen in the business. She's going to be coming. Uh, we're going to be talking to her tomorrow about specific issues, uh, specific things, um, survival things. Because you, you need to know this if you're a long-term planner. But Texas Ready, they have regionally appropriate open pollinated heirloom seeds. Many places don't take into account geographical differences. They do. They, the hybrid seeds are good for only one garden. They don't reproduce true to type. That's why it's necessary to purchase stable heirloom seeds, folks. Texas Ready uses only certified seeds. I never heard of that until I began talking with, or until I spoke with TexasReady.net. And there it is. They've got, I mean, they're like an encyclopedia. Anything seed related, TexasReady.net. That's, they, they are like the ultimate. Um, and I like to cite the listener protection program we have. Because see, we don't we don't talk about endorse anything that we don't use ourselves, believe in or know it's good. This is the best. Listen to Bailey the seed lady. She knows her stuff. She knows her seeds. Folks, by the way, you can buy a seed bank or you 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 buy actually a buy a seed bank based on how many people you're going to be providing food for when you know what hits the fan right? Texas Ready, they've got five different sizes of seed banks, you know, two person, four, six, twelve, and so on. So if you have a garden for four in your backyard, but you invite eight people over, well, the whole 12 of you get to starve equally. So TexasReady.net, they are the ultimate in terms of seeds. And did you know this, rats? You know, many people keep their seeds in a uh, number 10 can. Or even plastic tubes. Uh, not Texas Ready. Because rats can actually eat through PVs or the plastic tubes and, uh, number 10 cans. I didn't know that. I never had a rat problem. Folks, TexasReady.net. That's TexasReady.net. Each Texas Ready seed bank contains 80 plus varieties of fruits and vegetables, uh, including eight dual purpose herbs, culinary and medicinal. Yes, medicinal go to texasready.net texasready.net Joe our next guest is Brandon Howes
2: his website is worldviewweekend.com he's the author of 13 books the latest The Coming Religious Right Um, he's been a guest on numerous radio and television TV shows uh, from uh, Bill O'Reilly on Fox News um, the Washington Times and much more he's been a guest on this show uh, just about a month ago, he was on always and a he a, uh, did a spent a spectacular job. We had lots of just great and, and positive feedback, and we are uh, pleased to welcome back Brandon House. Brandon, it's great to have you back on the show.
0: It is great to be here, guys. It's great to be here. Thank you for having me back on.
1: Well, thanks for coming back on, despite the fact that, uh, you know, we, sometimes we get in our own way. Um, but you're looking good. Wait a minute, and, what, are you, what are you doing, wrestling with your phone? What's going to, on uh, there? Uh, yeah, thank how's you for, that? I had to
0: put my headset on. Am I how's okay.
2: that now? <laughs> no, it sounds much clearer. I <laughs> want to thank you for uh, 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 referring your friend Mike Gendron. He was on last night and did, did a great job. Yes, he did. Uh, he was on the well, first two th- hours, and it was awesome.
0: Well, good. Thank you for having him on. We, uh, we produce and distribute his national TV show, and... Uh, He'll be in here again in about a week filming more. So, uh, yeah, he, he, and then uh, we produced the TV show of Sharam Hadian. I got to get Sharam on your show. He's a former Muslim born and raised in, uh, Iran. His daddy was a high ranking Muslim military official, and they fled Iran six weeks before the fall of the Shah. And, uh, Sharam became a Christian. He was rejected by, his father, for a period of time, uh, and most of his family, for a period of time, because he converted to biblical Christianity. Uh, but he's now warning Americans about Islam, the mi- immigration program, and the Im- immigrant program, I should say. And uh, he's got—he's very documented. He's an excellent communicator, and uh, he just started filming his TV show with us and. Uh, He filmed eight television shows today. He'll film four more tomorrow, and next week we'll launch another TV show. So we're sponsoring about eight television shows with eight different hosts now from our Memphis, Tennessee TV studios.
2: Fantastic. And, um, you know, he he was uh, right on the money. In fact, we had Pastor David Langford, who was on right after he was. And um, he stayed so so well on message um, and, and quoting scripture that Pastor Langford came on and said, you know, I agreed with everything that guy said, and I don't agree with uh, everything pastors say hardly at all. And that's because Didn't his that presentation night. was uh, just right on the money with with the word, and uh, that was yeah, that was uh, very refreshing.
1: You, you know, if I can uh, not that there's a script. If we can go off script, Brennan, any comments on the current uh, morass uh, with respect to the election?
0: Well. I'm really watching what's going on with the FBI and the NSA. I have uh, friends in both of those agencies. Um, I know people in these agencies. Some of them I've spent quite a bit of time with over the years. Committed Americans, committed patriots, but uh, uh, even more importantly, committed Christians. And... um, I have said on my radio show so many times that it's the upper elite of these agencies that are destroying these agencies and destroying the country. Uh, most FBI agents, NSA agents, CIA people, uh, they want what's best for America. It's, it's all, it's, and, and, and the same is true with your police. Your police are generally good people. There's a few bad apples everywhere. I mean, there is... There are guys who claim to be pastors that are bad apples. There are people who claim to be doctors that are horrible. You wouldn't want to go to them. I mean, I have doctors tell me, don't go to that doctor, you know. One of my kids had to have surgery a couple years ago, and the emergency room doctor said, do not go to this surgeon, go to this surgeon. So there are bad apples in, in any field you can go to. And so we do have some bad apples here and there. But the majority of the people... At the at the at the street level, if you will, whether it's FBI, CIA, NSA, police, they 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 want to do what's right. It's usually the upper echelon, the administration, and, and we see that with our police, where the police officers want to do the right thing, but their hands are tied by their bosses, who are hands are tied by the politicians, who are worried about crime getting in the paper and telling the people in the community what's really going on. And if you talk to the cops, they'll tell you this sleepy, nice. Southern town uh, actually has got some absolute serious crime, massive perversion. You wouldn't believe some of the things they're arresting people for doing in these upscale. Uh, what looked like sleepy uh, Mayberry-type communities, but nobody reports on it, talks about it, because the politicians don't want it driving down home values or causing them not to get reelected or causing the, the the Chamber of Commerce to be upset because it's not good for business. So it's almost always stinks at the top, and I think that's exactly what we're seeing now. But what's going on with the intelligence communities and this reported coup, it does not shock me at all because of the fact, like you guys, I'm sure, have talked to the folks uh, at the street level, if you will, these agencies, and I found out that they're disgusted and have been for a long, long time. Uh, my biggest concern is voter fraud. My biggest concern is voter fraud, and I don't know what's going to come uh, with that. But, look, these people are trying to destroy America. Many of them are globalist. Uh, Bill Clinton was a Rhodes Scholar. I think we touched on that in our last broadcast together. Uh, at Oxford, the Rhodes Scholarship Program by Cecil Rhodes was specifically... About using his fortune to train people in economics, in education, media, politics, civil government, to want to destroy America and have a central world government out of Europe, a European central world government. And I think that's exactly what we're seeing America decreasing, Europe rising. And uh, that's what uh, Ob- uh, Clinton did to the country. That's what Obama's done to the country. That's what Hillary will do to the country. And, and in large respect, that's what George W. did to the country. He shoved. Us up underneath the uh, Financial Stability Board, the International Monetary Fund, very European-dominated organizations, when he was sitting there just days ready to leave the White House. So we are continuing to see them deliberately destroying America in order to implement their socialist communitarian philosophy, which is socialism mixed with capitalism. But to do that, we've got to be a little more socialistic. Uh, not so much capitalistic. We've got to mix the two together. Right now we're too capitalistic for them, not socialistic enough. And, again, the key is they want a little mixture of both so they can keep the middle class afloat, so they can keep milking the middle class, give the cream to themselves, the elite. That's how they afford the the security and the limousines and the drivers and the luxury um, uh, housing and the – you know the uh, golden parachutes for retirement plans. So they got to keep. Uh, they've got to keep uh, milking the middle class. They keep the cream, and then they give the rest of the milk to the uh, underclass that keeps voting them into office.
1: You're, you're precisely right on the money. Correct, and they need us absolutely. And Brandon, in your book,
2: uh, "Religious Trojan Horse," you warn about the left and the right merging in many ways. Are we seeing that in this election cycle, or are, are we seeing? Uh, an actual outside candidate coming in threatening the establishment?
0: Well, I think he's definitely threatening the establishment. That's why they're having a fit. You know, um, uh, Phyllis Schlafly was a good, good friend of mine, and, of course, she passed away uh, just a few uh, weeks ago, a few months ago, and uh, she was one of the first people to come out in favor of him. And, of course, she backed Marco Rubio early on when he was running for U.S. Senate and, and said that was a mistake later. Um, so she got burned. And many of us have been burned. Many of us have been burned by people we thought were good people with good intentions and people of goodwill. will. Um, And so I know she was very cautious, and she was one of the first people to come out in favor of Trump, and I watched her, and I watched Ann Coulter, and then I watched James Woolsey, former CIA director, who's warning the country about the threat to our power grid, and then I watched um, many other people uh, that I respect from a public policy standpoint, national security standpoint, uh, backing Trump and advising Trump, Senator Sessions of Alabama, who I've Uh, respected greatly for many years. He was one of the original guys fighting the Trans-Pacific Partnership, TPP. And so I thought these people must know something. Uh, Look, we don't know what Trump will do because he doesn't have a track record in this area. So could we all end up finding ourselves burned? I guess it's possible. But like he's saying himself, what do you have to lose? We know what Hillary Clinton will do. We know what the establishment will do. And I have to believe that these folks that have been close to him have heard his heart and must think he really will do these things. He really will come after these organizations. So, yes, he absolutely is a threat to the globalists, to the establishment, uh, if he does the things he's talking about doing. I mean, just building a wall is a major threat to the open border scheme that Hillary said in one of her speech. She dreams of an open border uh, hemisphere. I mean, if that's not a North American union, uh, what is And so uh, I do think the right and the left are merging. I wrote about it in my book, Religious Trojan Horse. I wrote that the religious right and the religious left were merging. I can give you examples of that. But I think the political left and the political right are merging, which isn't too hard because really the Democrats and the Republicans have been one party. Uh, Carol Quigley, who wrote Tragedy and Hope, who taught at Georgetown University, the Jesuit University, who mentored Bill Clinton, who Bill Clinton gave a shout-out to in the 1992 Democratic acceptance speech. Carol Quigley wrote in his book Tragedy and Hope that the two parties were really one, so that if if the people ever threw the rascals out, it would not influence or disrupt their plan. That's right. Well, we're seeing that. And look, you yep. got George W. reportedly now, according to George P. Bush, his nephew, saying that he, uh, George W. is likely to vote for Hillary. Uh, we've heard that George H. is already voted for Hillary or is going to. Hey, look, are we really shocked that the Clintons and the the Bushes uh, are working together? I, I'd like to know what they were doing together with Iran Contra when Bush was vice president, and they were they were working uh, and supposedly doing some activities in Mena, Arkansas. So I, I don't trust the Bushes or the. Uh, or the Clintons. And, and we were a lot of us were burned by Bush. A lot of us thought, well, he's not his father. He, he's more in the vein of Ronald Reagan. That didn't turn out to be so true. In some ways, obviously, we were better off with him than maybe someone else. But at the end of the day, these people are globalists. And yes, if Trump does what he says he's going to do, he's going to disrupt. But the right and left, politically, economically emerging, They're all in favor of globalism, the Republican globalist establishment. They're in favor of open borders. They're in favor of amnesty. They're in favor of mixing socialism with capitalism. They're in favor of national health care of some type. Maybe they don't like Obama's plan, but they want a national health care program. Many of them want to put restrictions on the Second Amendment, yet they call themselves Republicans. Many of them are in favor of the global education plan. Uh, The first global education plan was America 2000, introduced by George H. Bush, By the way, the chairman of the National Governors Association, who helped write it, was a man by the name of Bill Clinton. The actual chairman was originally Lamar Alexander, U.S. Senator from Tennessee, where I live. He was the chairman of the National Governors Association. His vice chairman was Bill Clinton. Lamar Alexander left being the U.S. Senator, and went to be the Secretary of Education for George H. Bush. That made the vice chairman of the National Governors Association the chairman, meaning Bill Clinton, who finished up writing America 2000, which really is a global plan. It comes from the United Nations. I proved that in one of my books going back to the early 90s. And there's George H. Bush in the Rose Garden Unveiling America 2000, the federal takeover of education, with Lamar Alexander standing there, and Bill Clinton's in the Rose Garden, and George H. Bush gives a, uh, that a boy to Bill Clinton. Well, George, Bush, George H. Bush could go nowhere with America 2000. Bill Clinton wins, changes the name to Goals 2000, gets it passed, and then rewrites the Elementary Secondary Education Act, which is the bill that funds education every five years. Then the plan said, you want some of your federal money back, states? Money that you gave us, that we now have, we'll bribe you with it. You do what we tell you to do, implement Goals 2000, we give you some of the money. And so that's what happened. And we went from America 2000, Republican. Goals 2000, Bill Clinton Democrat. Then we went to George H. Bush, George W. Bush, and the name changed to what? No Child Left Behind. Same thing. Then we went to Barack Obama. It's called No Child Left Behind, or, common, or excuse me, common Core or Race to the Top. Common Core, Race to the Top under Obama. You notice this? Republican, Democrat, Republican, Democrat, and guess what? Have they ever thrown out any of the federalization of education? No. Why? Because both parties are really one party. So why do you think the establishment? Why do you think these? I think political hacks are uh, and, and these uh, neocons that want to go to war and that are constantly enriching themselves with military industrial complex. I mean, for Pete's sake, why did we invade Iraq after nine eleven? I thought the Saudis were the ones that were the hijackers. Well, we didn't want to invade Saudi Arabia because too many of the Republicans and the maybe some players in the administration have relationships with all these Saudi guys that we find George W. Bush dancing with, literally dancing with. You know, just a few weeks after nine eleven. So it stinks to high heavens. It is rigged. The system stinks. They don't care about the average American, regardless of what they tell you. And if Trump does what he says he's going to do, uh, it's going to set their globalist agenda back, very much the way uh, Ronald Reagan set them back a few years as well.
1: You, you know what, folks? If you want to know who I listen to or the books I read, you're listening to them. Brandon House is our guest. Um uh, you you cannot I mean a prolific author you cannot find a better source of information. His website world yeah, yeah world can I okay. Worldviewweekend.com that's Worldviewweekend dot com. Okay, let me try it. Worldviewweekend.com. Hey I did it. There how's you go. that? There it there you go. uh, Good job. Yeah. But, but folks, every one of Brandon house books right on the money and again you want to know uh, like uh, for example where i get my information who i listen to this gentleman at the top of the list thank you so much Uh, uh, you know uh, you've been doing some research and this has kind of made news here of late um since 2007 you've been doing research about the vulnerability of America's power grid. My goodness, we haven't we have the ability to harden the grid, but we haven't What have you learned about how vulnerable we are? How an attack might uh happen and how it might fit in with Bible prophecy I mean, it's it's got to be prophetic it certainly will be prophetic in biblical proportions when it happens and I say when, not if
0: yeah, and it, I think Win is right, and and the thing about this is you, this is this is something where you have people like Ted Koppel. You know, I, I probably wouldn't agree with Ted Koppel on some major public policy issues, but I grew up watching Ted Koppel on Nightline, and he was one of the journalists that you didn't really know where he stood often on issues every now and then he'd kind of show his hand but most of the time he wouldn't he was a journalist he was a professional he was a of a different era so I, I would just say up front I probably would not agree with Ted Koppel on some major public policy issues but I respected him as a journalist as a professional and I grew up watching Nightline when it became a program after the hostages were taken uh, captive in our embassy in uh, Iraq, and that was the, what was birthed, uh, and what birthed Nightline, because of that hostage crisis. And I watched it all the way through high school, and all my adult life when he was on there. And so I, I appreciated him. Well, he wrote a book in, in 2015 called Lights Out, and I got it. And I've been researching this since 2007. and we try to tell some family and friends about it. And they, they you know, everybody's an expert, but they don't want to listen. And so uh, Ted Koppel writes something. Then you have James Woolsey, uh, former CIA director. And I had the chance to meet him at a conference and stand around and visit with him in a, at, at a um, punch hors d'oeuvre gathering one evening. And uh, he's been warning about it big time. And then you have people like uh, former assistant uh, secretary of Department of Defense, uh, Frank Gassney. So many people that are respected people are warning about not if, but when. And now we're reading, for instance, from the National or the Washington Examiner uh, not too many years ago, a few months ago, that ISIS is indeed targeting our power grid. ISIS has about $2 billion at their disposal. They can easily hire the experts they need from Iran or North Korea. Oh, by the way, Russia has admitted. That A few years ago, they gave a lot of the information to North Korea on electromagnetic pulse bombs. Oh, by the way, remember this year, early in the year, when North Korea tested an H-bomb? Well, many experts saying what they're testing is a super EMP weapon. Is really what they're testing. Oh, by the way, did you remember that North Korea launched a low-flying satellite that orbits the Earth? And maybe it has a nuclear warhead on it. And if they want to detonate it when it comes over top of the U.S., they could. And that would be an EMP, and that would grab the curvature of the Earth, and it would put us back to the 1800s as far as technology. If they don't have a nuclear warhead on that current satellite, they can certainly orbit another one with it. Um, Then we have the relationship between North Korea and Iran. Then we have the fact that Russia uh, is clearly old-school Putin, KGB, former KGB, now the what is called FSB. He is working to bring all the uh, broken republics, breakaway republics of Mother Russia back together, many of them being of uh, Muslim uh, heritage. And so you have the Marxists and the Muslims working together to destroy America. And, and notice those players that are working together to destroy America. It is said by experts that China and Russia have already hacked into our power grid. Uh, you have many experts uh, and authors like Ted Koppel openly saying that over and over. I had uh, a former CIA uh, officer and expert with two PhDs who I think you've had on your program, Dr. Peter Pry, on my show today. Yes, he says, the the, the Russians and... The Chinese have hacked into our computer software, our grid, and with the keystrokes could bring down our system. Now, maybe they won't do it because we're probably in their system as well. And it would be mutually shared destruction. However, is it above the realm of possibility that Russia could hand that information off or China could hand that information off to some rogue individuals who act? actually happened to be here in America, would carry that attack out in America, maybe routing it through other countries. So when the intelligence community finally finds where it came from, they track it all the way around the world, only to find it actually originated in America. Now we can't pin it on China. Now we can't pin it on Iran. Now we can't pin it on Russia. They have plausible deniability so that we don't attack them. But yet they actually are the ones who originated it because their agents are here. And yet what did we find in the reports this week? News reports this week by experts is that Iranian military uh, guard leaders are boasting they're sending special Iranian forces to Europe and to the United States. Well, I'm being told by former intelligence officers they're already here they've all, all they've been here for years iranian special forces several hundred potentially iranian cells in the us and then we had a, a transmission uh, a transmission substation attacked in 2013 april 2013 uh, peter pry informed me today on our broadcast at worldviewradio.com that that's very likely was iranian special forces very well could have been we know that, they, that, that the head of FERC, the Federal uh, Electronic Regulation Commission, or whatever it stands for, brought in some Navy SEALs to examine the attack on that transmission substation, which by the way powers Google, places like Google and Facebook and many others in that in that part of the technology world, and they brought in special forces to look at it, and they found no fingerprints on the bullet casings. They found rock piles that looked like someone scouted out in advance where to stand and knew where to shoot to bring down the cooling systems to bring down that transmission substation. Now, experts say if they'd done that and timed it in nine such critical places they could have brought down the grid now there are three grids texas is their own but they could have brought them all down
2: we're up against the the break hold that thought uh we'll pick up right where we left off on the other side folks you're listening brandon house his website is worldviewweekend.com again worldviewweekend.com bookmark it we'll be right back he's staying with us until the end of the show don't go anywhere and maybe longer (laughs) Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to this Thursday edition of the Hagman and Hagman Report. Our guest tonight is Brandon House. His website is worldviewweekend.com. We're going to get back to him in just a second. have a quick announcement. Yeah, you know something, folks?
1: What a great read. You know, do you ever meet someone who can really write, I mean, write a great book? Oh, I long to be a great author. I really do. T.C. Josephs, this generation series of novels. You know, he has written... A trilogy of books. In fact, his third book, Penance, is going to be out at the end of this month. But in a thrilling series of novels, T.C. Josephs takes us into the lives of three families in a world where conspiracy theories and Bible prophecies collide. His novels move through recent history to the events that are just on the horizon. And when you read his books, you can I mean it's like almost living through the present day in some cases. He's got a very witty style about him. Just this character, the character development, fascinating characters. It's a great read, folks. It's it's a kind of a book that you you could you could kind of forget about your troubles. Start a fire in your fireplace, have a glass of wine, sit and read the book. Okay, his books. Or even better, give them to your friends because they also serve as great tools to awaken friends and family members to the perilous times that we face. Kirkus Review states, readers of end times fiction, you're going to be hard-pressed to find it done more intriguingly than this. The books are extremely readable, fast-paced. Blue Ink Reviews calls this thought-provoking series absolutely riveting, and that they are. Folks, get your copies of T.C. Joseph's this Generation series on Amazon dot com today. Book one is Precipice. Oh, <laughs> that's a great one. Book two is Pentecost, and then coming at the end of this month, book three, Penance. You are really going to want to grab this series. Christmas is coming. If you trade, uh, if if you are in the, if you do gifts at Christmas, um uh, if you celebrate Christmas, this is a great gift. This Generation series on Amazon dot com today
2: yeah absolutely uh our guest tonight, Brandon House right before the break, we were talking about the potential for a attack on the American power grid and some attacks and attempted attacks and um uh, uh other um countries that have already um put their markers in place and ready to to rock and roll if they wanted to do this uh for more your research- research has shown Brandon and you mentioned um I don't know. Do you have? Do you want to go further on what you were talking about with the power grid?
0: Well, yeah, let me just say that that, that attack on that uh, substation, that transmission substation in, in Southern California, that came right after America reportedly, with their intelligence community and Israel, uh, used some software to uh, trick the Iranians. They were watching a television monitor of their... Centrifuges, and those things have to spin at just the right speed, otherwise they end up messing up. And what they did is they took footage of what it looks like when it's running correctly, and they were able to put it on the screen, hack into their system, put it on the screen, so the Iranians were watching not a live feed what they thought was a live feed, but was really a tape. And then, because they had hacked in, the Americans and the Israelis, according to reports, uh, they were able to mess up the timing on the spinning of those subterfuges and then mess up their their, rain, their, their uranium enrichment program and set it back. Now, I'm being told, and Dr. Peter Pride on my radio program will be posted later tonight at worldviewradio.com, said when I mentioned that the experts say that this looked like somebody that had special forces training or background. He said, well, it very well could have been the Iranian and special forces already in the country that are Iranian that were doing that as payback or as a warning, actually as a warning to America. It happened to be at the same time that a satellite he reported from North Korea that's in a a relationship with Iran was passing over the East Coast. So basically they were telling us, we can bring you down on the East Coast, we can bring you down on the West Coast, and you know you better you better watch what you're doing by the way I'm also reading from credible reports that uh, Syria has hacked into our, some of our banks uh, not too long ago on the East Coast after Obama drew a red line to, for Syria saying if you cross this line we're coming in well shortly after that threat I'm reading from credible news sources credible intelligence sources that uh, and they're openly stating this that Syria uh, hacked into some of our banks and basically again did it as a warning, you better forget about your red line. So a lot of things going on, we may not realize that our enemies already know where our vulnerabilities are. They know where our Achilles heel is and they're already putting pressure. They, they got their boot on our throat and they're starting to apply some pressure and our, and our leaders back off because we are not ready. Uh, in fact, you might be shocked to find out that the 3,200 different power companies due to deregulation, they're really, they aren't under federal control. They actually have a way to vote on things and decide what it is they want to do and not do in regard to regulation. So it's not the federal government telling them you will do this. They actually have a way as a group of power companies to vote on what they will do and what they won't do. It, in fact, has to come down more along the lines to the states regulating the power companies in their individual states. But we have uh, legislation, at least two major bills that have passed the House that have been hung up in the Senate that would secure and harden, go a long way towards securing and hardening our power grid from these attacks. Well, they keep passing the House, but they get hung up in the Senate. And Peter Pry, who is the man, the point man on this, says it's because some of the power companies, I guess, with their lobbyists, All they got to do is get one U.S. senator to privately, and they can do it anonymously, put a hold on the bill in the U.S. Senate, and it doesn't move forward. So we aren't ready. We are not ready. Uh, We have a a TV show we launched today. We did a radio on this Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday uh, at worldviewradio.com. We launched today the one-hour television show that they can watch free of charge uh, at WVW-TV. It stands for World View Weekend, WVW-TV. They can watch the one-hour special on uh, 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 the vulnerability of our power grid. And we're going to do about three to four TV shows, and we just launched the first one. That includes a ton of video clips by experts, by people like... Uh, Ted Koppel, uh, James Woolsey, former CIA director, Frank Gaffney, former assistant uh, uh, secretary of defense for the Reagan administration, uh, other credible people warning about what could happen. And the reason we're using these people is so that you can send it to your family and friends and say, do you really want to say that Ted Koppel, the former CIA director, the former assistant secretary, Secretary of Defense that these people don't know what they're talking about? And and then we have reports that the government is not ready, the power companies are not ready. This that the the, the, the uh, Department of Homeland Security, the Johnson, the director, got prickly with Ted Koppel when he tried to say, Well, what is your plan? Ted Koppel even talks about, as we show the clip on the TV show this week, that the, the head of FEMA, they're they're arguing as to what they would do if there was a power outage let's say on the Eastern seaboard, would they evacuate the people out of Manhattan or would they not? They, they don't even know. And they're arguing. One said, yeah, we would evacuate them. The other said, are you crazy? Where are we going to put them? This is how disorganized they are. And the bottom line is you better be prepared yourself. And Ted Koppel was asked, what are you doing? He said, well, I have bought freeze dried food for my family, my wife and I, our children and our grandchildren. So his grandchildren must be grown and he's bought freeze dried food for them. Um, Look, this is our biggest threat. And what's very interesting is that the nations that we know can come against us, uh, let's say Libya, uh, Syria, but let's just take, for instance, Russia. Let's just take these. Uh, Russia, Iran, Turkey. Now, uh, those nations, that's very interesting. Because when I go to Ezekiel chapter 38, I see Russia. I see Turkey. I see Iran. I see some of these nations, and and possibly even China, because Ezekiel 38 also says, and other nations will come with you. Well, isn't that interesting that the nations that we already know are trying to come against us, they hate America, they hate what we stand for, they hate the fact we support Israel. If they go to move against Israel, as is said in Ezekiel 38, wouldn't it make sense assuming at the time that Ezekiel 38, Gog and Magog happens, assuming that we have, let's say, someone in, in the White House and people in Congress that still care about Israel, let, let's, say it's, let's say it's President Trump. And let's say President Trump, who, by the way, has a, a Jewish son-in-law who he, I, I'm told has great respect for and is uh, giving him a lot of advice so let's say Trump keeps his word, he's very pro-Israel, he has a Jewish son-in-law, and they are standing with Israel. And let's say in the next four years, if he becomes president, Russia, w- which would be Rosh, which is this leader of this Gog-Magog coalition, works with Ru- Russia works with Turkey and Iran and the Sudan and Libya and Central Asia, which would be likely Afghanistan, And they decide to build a coalition with others that will go with them to go against Israel. But they decide, we better take out America, one of the biggest, if not the biggest ally of Israel first. Because as soon as we go to do this, they're going to move in to help stop and retaliate. So let's take down the great Satan before we go after the little Satan, Israel. Well, isn't that interesting? The Bible tells us those names are Russia, Turkey, Iran, Libya, These uh, 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 Syria. These are the nations we see listed in the scriptures in the end times. America is nowhere to be found. Why? I think it's because we've ceased to be a world power economically or politically or militarily. And it may be because we've been brought down with our greatest threat. The national security experts say it is the number one threat to bring us down. They've testified before our special hearings in Congress that the only way our enemies can defeat us is through an EMP type attack to go after our power grid, so either an electromagnetic poles are hacking us, that would set up the Bible's prophecy scenario where no one's going to be able to come against them other than God himself, as is the case, Ezekiel 38 says, so that the whole world will know that he is Lord. So I think it is possible, I'm not being dogmatic, but I think it's possible the reason America is not listed is we have been brought down by that very same... Coalition in Ezekiel 38, which includes people who are already, by according to experts, looking to bring down our power grid.
1: Brandon, I mean, this is fantastic, and I just want to reaffirm or, or to re, uh, republicize this. You get into the vulnerabilities of this, this aspect on WVW.TV. People can go there, and watch no, no, your.
0: No, no, no. WVWTV.com
1: i'm sorry w v w t v dot com all right let me say that one more time because I screwed it up the first time WVWTV.com. dot com that's WVWTV.com. dot com and I would urge everyone to to soak up as much information about this as you possibly can Two questions for you number one it, um i've been told Joe and I were at a um a meeting uh, right at the time, uh, One Second After came out, the producers of One Second After and the, um, official, certain federal officials had a meeting in Western New York talking about this, uh, the vulnerabilities of the power grid. It was my understanding, and it is my understanding still. The cost to reinforce our power grid is not that much money. I two mean, billion. Relative. Okay. Two why billion in billion. the hell? Okay, why haven't we done anything? I mean, <laughs> uh, why? Two billion.
0: Uh, the, cost, the cost is two billion. Two billion right. with a B is the cost that I've read. And if we have the grid go down, you're talking about in the trillions Okay, not to mention experts say within a year, nine out of ten Americans could be dead. Um, why are they not doing it? Uh, because I think most of them are rolling the dice and saying it probably won't happen, and we'll assume that it won't so they because they don't want to spend the money. That's the only reason, but Ted koppel was asked do you what do you think the likelihood is this will happen in the next ten years? And he said he believes it will happen the former or the i guess the man that's the charge of Sincom. The general in charge of CINCOM, uh told Ted Koppel that it's not a matter of if, but when. And right. they've moved a lot of their communications inside che- Cheyenne Mountain there in Colorado uh, to protect it from an electromagnetic pulse. So um, our our military is getting ready. The power companies are not, but our military is. So I think it's that the companies just don't want to spend the money to do it, because they don't want to spend the $2 billion to get ready is what it sounds like. Well, you we have that's to have a ridiculous. GoFundMe and,
1: page or what? I mean, seriously. Exactly.
0: We, yeah, <laughs> exactly. And, and, again, this is where you've got to get your governors and your state legislatures to put the pressure on, on the states because in Maine, Maine, I guess, is one of the only few states, according to Peter Pry, one of the few states that actually pass legislation that's putting the pressure on their power companies to get ready so that Maine can protect its own grid. It's, well, it's not uh-huh. its own grid, but protect its own power plants. Because, you know, again, there are three grids, basically the one on the, that goes from the west coast to the center of the nation, the east coast to the center of the nation, and then Texas. But Maine wants to protect its own power company. And the thing, too, is if the government would come out and say, now, look, folks,
2: we're working on this,
0: okay? But here's the bottom line. You need to have six months, a year's supply of food for everyone in your family, you know, go get freeze-dried food, have a way to get a fire started. Uh, Even if you build a bonfire pit in your backyard, that's what I did in 2009. I built a bonfire pit in my backyard in 2009 because i had been researching this since 2007. So I built it myself, built a beautiful stone patio with my own hands, saved a lot of money doing it myself. It was a lot of work, but it's beautiful, and I love it, and a lot of people compliment me on it when they see it. It's beautiful, but it's there for not only us to enjoy now, but for an emergency. I went and got the grate to put over the fire. I keep cords of wood available, uh, and I can boil water, and I have freeze-dried food. I bought enough freeze-dried food for my family of five for six months. I then put on uh, some uh, special devices on my downspouts of my gutters in 2012 that allow me to take, uh, collect the rainwater and divert it into barrels that, for that purpose. And the, the, these little devices that you put onto your gutter are like $29, and we have them in our bookstore at worldviewweekend.com. But I've had them on my gutter since 2012, and the average roof, you know, with a one inch of uh, uh, rain, a 1,000-square-foot roof, one inch of rain, you can collect about 623 gallons of water so over the course of a year, you're talking about several thousand gallons of water. Now, maybe you don't want to drink that. You know, if I guess if I had to, I would boil it and drink it. But I could certainly keep my drinking water, uh, for, for drinking and cooking and use this water for boiling and then putting in a tub to bathe with. But I could also use that water to put into a big ten-gallon bucket from Home Depot and pour it down the toilet in order to flush the toilet. Because the water, the pump may not come to the house to bring me water. Well, your toilet's useless unless you have a bucket and you have water to then dump into the into the bowl that causes it to flush. So that becomes my bathing water. That might become my washing water for washing clothes and dishes. That becomes my toilet water for flushing with a ten-gallon bucket. If the American people were told basic things you can do that are very inexpensive, even some people on a on a limited income or fixed income could prepare for it, I believe you would see the numbers of people dying go down drastically, whereas otherwise you're going to have the issue of starvation and disease and hygiene being a big killer.
2: Man, I'll Not to you. get too wow. far off the side, but... Here where we live, it's what was it, We were reading the um, regulations the other day about collecting rainwater.
1: Yeah, you can't collect rainwater. You it's a, it's illegal it. where nope. we live now. Which is well, I know that my and wife ash. and I were
0: talking about that. My wife and I were talking about that. In, in some states, it is illegal to collect rainwater. How stupid is that? What state are you in?
1: We are in Pennsylvania, up right by Lake Erie. Yeah. State of confusion at the moment.
0: Yeah. No, I'm, How stupid know, is that? No. <laughs> but you exactly. know what? I, I, at 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 this point, do you really think the state of Pennsylvania is going to have on their concern whether Hagman and no. Hagman are uh, collecting rainwater?
2: Absolutely not. And I don't know how they would even gauge that. Aside from well, from particularly inspectors the guy to and the people place. enforcing
0: it, do you even think the people that would enforce that are going to be on the job? No, they're going to be at home with their family. Do you think exactly. the police are going to be on the job? No, they're going to be at home with their family. Why would they be on the job? I mean, really, why would they? What's going to work? Their radios? If it's an EMP, their car, where they're going to be on horseback? But, I mean, the unlawlessness. For what they're paid, do you really think they'd be on the job? If I were a police officer being paid what they pay, I wouldn't be on the job. I'd say, forget this and go home. So I don't know anyone that's going to be around to enforce those silly rules. I don't think you'll have government to speak of.
1: Yeah, yeah, I totally agree with you on this, and this is so so important information, folks, as we prepare for that eventuality. And I say that because we're in for some rough times, and and you know it just it just really fries my, it it, it chaps my but to think that people are out there saying, you know, uh, this is all fear porn and, uh, you, you know, you're just getting people all worked up. Now, this is reality. Listen to this man, Brandon House. Uh Listen to what he's saying because this is reality. His website, worldviewweekend.com, worldviewweekend.com, where you can find this stuff as well as wvwtv.com. So, Brandon, thank you. Do you, know, do you know
0: that it, until this last week, I never talked about my own personal preparations on the radio. I started preparing in 2007, built the patio in 2009, uh, brought in some canned goods for that purpose, then those went out of date. They're, they're too heavy to move around. They, they went out of date, had to throw them all out. I said, forget this. I've been eating Mountain House, for instance, since I was in high school on camping trips. I like their food. And so I brought some of that into April 2013. And then I put in this, this ability to, to grab rainwater in 2012. I've never talked about any of my preparations until this past week because I was concerned that people wouldn't get it and they would think that I was overreacting. But I'll tell you, people like Frank Gaffney, former assistant secretary of defense for the Reagan administration, former CIA director James Woolsey, journalist Ted Koppel, uh, even Newt Gingrich, who's come out and talked about this. And we have an audio clip in our TV show next week from him saying this is the greatest threat to our country is the grid. When these men come out, hey, it gives us cover to talk and say, you see, we're not we're not being over the top. We're not being tinfoil hat. And so uh, this is after all the years of preparing, I, I I would talk about the topic. But I never told you what you could do and how you could prepare. But I have started so doing so because I feel like I have an obligation to my listening audience. Look, I, I'm not an entertainer, okay? I, I'm not here to just sell people stuff. Um, I come from the business background. I can go back into the business world, and I do have a couple of different things I do on the side. So I'm not here to sell something, and I'm not here to entertain people. Uh, I care about my listening audience, and I know many of them. I travel and have conferences all over the country, and I see many of them over and over again to the point I know some of them by name. But if I don't know their name, I know them when I see them, and I can tell you facts about them. I can tell you what the father does for a living. I can tell you maybe where the kids go to school, what they're majoring in. You know, I've watched some of these kids grow up, literally. They were coming to our conferences as elementary students. Now they're in college. So these families don't listen to me because I'm an entertainer. They listen to me because they appreciate what I say, they agree with it, and they trust me. And I don't take that lightly. And so I feel that the time has come to say, all right, here's what I've been doing, and here's how you can do the same, and it's very inexpensive to do some of these preparations, and you can plan for it, budget for it. Maybe instead of buying a new car, you buy a used car, take the difference in price, and get some preparations. Because I think for some people, this... If this does happen, and I think it's a very likely that it will, th- these items th- that we're telling people can save your life. Because, again, you got major experts saying the biggest issue in America is going to be hygiene, disease, and starvation. And I said to my wife today, can you believe that? In America, where we have so much food, the issue could be starvation.
1: That's... Um yeah, think about that. Let that sink in, ladies and gentlemen. Starvation. And it's, it, it, to, to me, it's the people. It, a lot of this, Brandon, I don't want to get too far in the left field here, but uh, what I've noticed is a lot of Christians are behind this don't worry, God will provide mentality. It's not necessary for you to prepare. It's, I mean, or any degree thereof of that statement whether it's you know But so the Bible says the
0: prudent man the Bible says the prudent man sees danger and takes refuge and and you know God has given us uh, the ability to think and to reason and have logic and the Bible has a lot to say about money and wealth and working and if you don't work you don't eat and the Bible talks about managing your funds and investing and getting a return And so the Bible has a lot to say about putting away and saving and that a godly man leaves an inheritance to his kids and he who doesn't provide for his family is worse than an infidel, an unbeliever. That's both spiritually as well as physically. Yes, spiritually as well as physically and economically. So these are people that, quite frankly, uh, many of them uh, have a good game. They talk a good spiritual game. And some of them may even be very, very sound theologically. They just don't have enough... If, uh, wisdom to apply it. Knowledge is the acquisition of truth. Knowledge is the acquisition of truth. Wisdom is the application of truth. And you know what I see is I see some really good Bible teachers and they have a lot of knowledge but they don't have a lot of wisdom. They don't know how to apply that to everyday life. They know how to teach a lot of facts and figures and the context and the history. They they get that knowledge. But they don't. they lack the wisdom to actually apply it. And when you look at the mess that their own colleges and seminaries and universities and and the book publishers they're with and some of the people they invite to their conferences, you think, you see, there's the example. You have a lot of knowledge, but you don't really seem to even know how to apply it. Well, that's the difference between having knowledge and having wisdom. Knowledge, the acquisition of truth. Wisdom, the application. So even some good theological people say these silly things, well, that again is because they don't have uh, the, the, the biblical wisdom. Also, some of these people saying these things, some of these people are pretty well off financially. They have two or three or more homes. Uh, I don't think they're going to have to worry too much. And so for them to take this so cavalierly, oh, well, God will provide. You don't need to prepare. It's a sin to not trust God. I bet you they have home insurance. I bet they have life insurance. I bet they have car <laughs> insurance. I bet they have health insurance. So that is just absolutely uh distorted it's, twisted yeah. thinking, and it's irresponsible
1: and it's interesting because you you have a your book um twisted scripture twisted theology um, you know it, it, this is twisted thinking um and, and it's also twisted uh scripture and twisted theology by the way, folks visit brennan House. Uh, visit his website. Um, that's worldviewweekend.com. That's worldviewweekend.com. Uh, there, Brandon House is an, a prolific author. You will not find a bad book in the bunch. He's a, a great author, including, as I said, Twisted Scripture, Twisted Theology, and, uh, seriously, my favorite, The Coming Religious right, And over um, uh, 11 others. Uh, 13 total books. Yeah. And, um,
2: maybe in the hour, in the next hour, Brandon, we can come back around and talk about the church and some, um, spiritual and scriptural issues, uh, as we cover the book. Well, I would love to
0: talk to you about some of the most twisted scriptures today, particularly Joel chapter two, where, you know, people are prophesying and visions and dreams and all these people with the word of faith you know, and the Benny Hinn and the creplo dollar types, and, you know, I had this vision, I had this dream, and then they will say to me, but Brandon, uh, you're saying these things are not for here and now and today, but Joel, too, says your sons and your daughters, okay. Why don't we look at that passage in context? Because it tells us who it's to, and it tells us when it will happen. So I'd love to knock down that one, which is causing a lot of these word of faith uh, weirdos you know, that's what the sad thing is. When I tell people well, about the Christian regular- radio... we're up against the break.
2: We'll after the break. We'll start right off with Joel 2. Right Folks, are listening to Brandon House on this edition of the Hagman and Hagman Report. Stay with us. ladies and gentlemen, to our third and final hour on this Thursday edition of the Hagman and Hagman Report. Our guest now is Brandon House. His website is worldviewweekend.com. Right before the break, we were talking about the, uh, I believe it was your book, Twisted Scripture, uh, and how people take uh, Scripture out of context, and you cited a specific issue, uh, specifically Joel chapter 2, and you were going to... um, Go through the scriptures and tell us how uh, this is being misapplied in by today's pastors.
0: Yeah, thank you. And by the way, I apologize. I can't hear your bumper music for some reason when you go to breaks. Tell me real quick so I can write it down. What time are your next breaks at? So I can write them down.
2: Um, our next breaks 26 minutes and 45 seconds. And or uh, unless,
1: or, or anytime we feel that we would just want to cut you off without uh, <laughs> regard to what you're saying. How's that? Okay. All right, so and the next
0: then, one is 26.45, okay.
2: And then the one after that's the end of the show at uh, 58 minutes in.
0: Okay, perfect. All right, I'll watch for those. I, I, like you guys, I'm used to working off a clock. All right, Joel chapter 2, this is the one everybody, you know, people used to say, Brandon, when you come against these people who say, I had a vision, I had a dream, and this extra-biblical knowledge, this is really mysticism. And when they claim this, I say, well, what under what authority? Because the Bible says in Deuteronomy... Proverbs, Revelation, not to add to the Word of God. God cannot l- less authoritatively speak in one area at one time as He does in another. If God is still speaking audibly, then the canon is open. If the canon is open, then it's the Word of God, and then we should be writing it down. Now, for, before those people listening who have agreed with everything I've said up to now, start reacting, don't react to emotion. Do you want to be deceived, or do you want to know the truth? So don't get emotional with me here. Is God still speaking audibly today? I don't believe He is today in this dispensation. And that is key. I believe that God moves at different times and in different ways, or these different dispensations. His character is the same yesterday, tomorrow, and forever. But the way He chooses to operate in the Old Testament... Uh, is not the way he operates today. The way he operated with Israel is not the way he operates with us today. Uh, We are not Israel. The church is not Israel. Uh, There are those who believe that, and it's called replacement theology, and it's one of the dominant theologies of the day. They believe that Israel is no longer a special plan or nation or economy to God. He has no more plan for them or covenant with them and the church has now replaced Israel. That's why it's called replacement theology. I think at the root of it, it's anti-Semitism, to be honest with you. But that's not in the Bible. We see God indeed has a very special plan for Israel, and there will be a great revival among the Jewish people, 144,000 Jewish evangelists, and they go all over the world preaching the gospel, and many people are getting saved. And, of course, they're not becoming Christians during the tribulation, because the Christians have been raptured. If you believe in a pre-tribulation rapture, what you have then are tribulation saints. And the Bible says in Revelation, so many of them are becoming believers, tribulation saints, that the number is too hard to even number, to counter. But they're also being slaughtered in great numbers by Antichrist. So we first cannot confuse the rapture with the second coming. Now, if you don't believe in a rapture, that's that's not a salvific issue. We can still have fellowship. You know, your salvation, my salvation is not dependent on what I believe or don't believe about the rapture. But I would say don't confuse the rapture of the church uh, with the tribulation, or excuse me, with the second coming, with the second coming. That's what Jesus was talking about in Matthew 24, the science of his second coming. And once the church is gone, then there will be a new dispensation, then we see God doing amazing things, an angel, a couple of angels flying across the sky, preaching the everlasting gospel. We have all kinds of things taking place. But during this church age, we don't see God audibly speaking. He could if he wanted to. I don't know why that's a problem for people. There was, he was silent for 400 years between the Old Testament and the New Testament. So why is it a problem that he's been silent now when we have his word? Uh, he used to speak through his uh, prophets. Now he speaks through his son. His son being the Word that became flesh and dwelt among us. That's what Hebrews tells us. So when people look at Joel two and say, "Well, Brandon, yeah, God is audibly speaking today." Look at Joel two, visions and dreams. I say, "Okay, let's go there." And it, Joel two, verse twenty eight says, "And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall." Prophesy, wait a minute, your sons, your daughters, who, is, who are they talking about? I believe that's the house of Israel. How do we know that? Well, Scripture confirms Scripture, Scripture interprets Scripture. Go over to Zechariah chapter 12, verse 9. It shall be in that day that I will seek to destroy all the nations that come against Jerusalem. And I will pour on the house of David, that's the Jewish people, and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, that's the Jewish people, the spirit of grace and supplication, when they will look on me whom they pierce, yes, they will mourn for him as one who mourns for his only son and grieve for him as one grieves for a firstborn. So back to Joel 2. Your sons, your daughters, a special pouring out of blessing. And what would they do? They shall prophesy. Well, that doesn't always mean extra-biblical revelation. In fact, the word prophecy into the medieval times actually meant proclamation or pronouncement of truth. So if your pastor has the gift of prophecy, that doesn't mean he has the gift of, of foreknowledge. It, it means he has the gift of foretelling. There's the difference between foretelling and foreknowledge. It, it doesn't have to do with Uh, extra-biblical revelation, the gift of prophecy can be the gift of speaking forth truth. And that's what the Jewish people will be doing. They will be preaching and evangelizing and preaching truth. And then it says, young men shall see visions and dream dreams. Now again, I'm not going to have a big problem if they're actually prophesying and having visions and dreams. the the church age is gone the church has been raptured this is a different dispensation and hey for pete's sake there's a couple angels flying across the sky preaching the everlasting gospel we have two witnesses in jerusalem who are prophets and fires coming out of their mouth and they're shutting up heaven from raining oh yeah that's there's gonna be some amazing things going on but let's not confuse what went on the in the old testament or even the new testament with the apostles. With what's going on now in the church age, we see no continuation in the scriptures in First and Second Timothy or Titus for the continuation of prophets and apostles. We see it for elders, evangelists, pastors, bishops, overseers, but not apostles. To be an apostle, you had to be called of God. You had to see the risen Lord, whom we have not yet seen. Yet we love. No apostles today. We don't need them. The apostles were to lay down the foundational doctrine of the church. You only lay a foundation down one time. Do we have elders? Yes. Pastors, bishops, overseers? Yes. Uh, Apostles and prophets? Today, no. But don't confuse what will happen outside the church age in the next dispensation with Israel. Then it goes on to say... I will pour out my spirit in those days, verse 29, and I shall show wonders in the heavens and in the earth and blood and fire and pillars of smoke and the sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood. Well, this is where people start now getting all crazy and talking about blood moons and all these books they write and and all these bad things are going to happen. Did any of that stuff happen? No. Can bad things happen? Yes. But the blood moon that's happening here, when does that happen? Well, verse 31 tells you. Before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. Well, when is the great and awesome day of the Lord? The great and awesome day of the Lord is the right... Well, it's, 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 the, it's the judgment of God at the second coming. And Jesus talked about it himself, if you go over to Matthew chapter 24. Matthew chapter 24, verse 29. Jesus speaking. Matthew 24, verse 29. Immediately after the tribulation... When? After the tribulation, after those seven years, of those days, the sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give its light, the stars will fall from the heaven, and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the heavens, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with the power of great glory. There is Jesus Christ himself telling his disciples in Matthew 24 this is how it's going to happen. Doesn't that sound consistent with what's going on in Joel 2? Doesn't that sound consistent with what we see the signs are in Revelation? So when does this Joel 2 thing happen? It happens at the at the great and terrible day of the Lord, the judgment of the Lord at the end of the tribulation. And who are doing these things? Your sons, your daughters. Who is that? That's the people of Israel, that blessed nation that God is a covenant with. He will keep his covenant. And the whole reason for the tribulation, folks, is not to purify the church, not to purify the bride. That's already happened. It is to bring the children of Israel to salvation. And that's why Ezekiel 38 says, God puts a hook, that's literally what it says in Ezekiel 38, God puts a hook in the mouth of those nations, Russia, Turkey, uh, all these nations that were listed, um, Iran, which was Persia, now Iran. Why does he put a hook in their mouth and draw them out to come against Israel? So that God can destroy them. So what? It says right there in Ezekiel 38, So the whole world will know that he is Lord. He does it for his own glory, and he protects those children of Israel, and he has a special plan for them, and it is that they will come to know that he is Lord, receive him as Yeshua, as Messiah, and he will fulfill that promise to the Jewish people. God is not done with Israel, and these people that believe in replacement theology, I think at their core is anti-Semitism.
2: You said a lot there, and... uh... You know, I I agree uh, with much of what you said, including that um, there is a lot of replacement theology, and I think that's due to the confusion of not studying, you know, the the word in the full context and and reading through the scriptures from the beginning to the end, and not uh, spending time on it. A lot of that, and some of it definitely could be anti-Semitism. I've seen uh, many cases of that in different church teachings and in bodies of. of of churches, um,
0: well, I see it today with people saying, "Well, the Jews do this. The Jews are the bankers. The Jews are the ones behind nine eleven. The Jews this. The Jews that." I'm like, well, "Wait a minute! How, how many times do we see the the so called religious right doing this? How many times do we see the so so called Europeans doing this? How many times do we see the so called you know Catholics? Do-? We could pick any group of people and start picking on them if we want. And and I, and I think I think it's very dangerous to go after the Jewish people. And, I, and historically. The, uh, the Satan goes after the Christians and the Jews and quite frankly the Christians and the Jews had better stick together and let me just say this I think some of these people that do some of these horrible globalist things that may have, be of Jewish descent let's not forget Karl Marx was of Jewish descent he was a right. self-hating yep. Jew Karl yep. Marx uh, and many of these people are self-hating Jews I'm more Jewish than some of these Jews they don't have any concern for Israel. They don't help Israel. They don't care about Israel's security. They don't care about Israel's prosperity. They're Jewish, but they're, they don't practice. They don't care. It's not. It, it's, it's. They were born that way, but they don't care. They don't could care less about their heritage. I, I am more Jewish than many Jews I have met.
1: You, you know, the rise of anti-Semitism right now is, is just. It, it's. Well, it's uh, we have to pay attention to this, and, and you're correct ascribing blame to, to Jews because merely uh, the uh, they're just their abused. last name. Yeah, you know it, that, that's that to me is uh, one of the one of the biggest travesties that one of the most dangerous things taking place uh, today. Um,
0: and don't think yeah. that Satan won't use that. By the
1: way, oh don't yeah, don't
0: think that Satan won't use. Jewish people who are really non-practicing Jews, have Jewish last names, make it very obvious, that are involved in banking and other things, that then end up bringing problems to America and the world, don't think that Satan doesn't use that to then cause people to come against the Jewish people. He uses them to call, because Satan hates the Jewish people. And he hates the Jewish people for a couple reasons. One, it is the Jewish people that gave us the Bible, through the Holy Spirit uh, moving on them, it is it is through the lineage of the Jewish people that we have our Messiah, Yeshua, the Savior, and it is through the Jewish people that God will have this great revival, fulfill Bible prophecy and then establish his kingdom and rule and reign. If Satan can wipe out the Jewish people, he can stop that that prophecy of the Jews and the evangelism and them uh, having a kingdom that is ruled by Christ from coming to pass. Don't think that's not behind Satan's idea and why he's out to destroy the Jewish people to stop Bible prophecy from being fulfilled, so he can then set himself up with his own spiritual Jerusalem in Baghdad, 58 miles south of, of uh, uh, in Babylon, 58 miles south of Baghdad.
1: You know, if i can kind of punch in punch in here and ask a question about you know um scripture second coming of, of of christ uh of jesus i mean we seem to be getting pretty close to something happening here um there are a lot of uh, charlatans out there i believe even within the alternative news new media talk radio uh in 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 the environment in which we live and we've seen a lot of people kind of go sideways here of late as well um really i mean anything what what and, and especially with the anti anti-semitic uh, aspects of things what concerns you if anything the most about what we're seeing take place in the alternative or new media is that a fair question i mean i don't want to get too yeah. too whacked no, out no. there but
0: no, uh, you know, one of the people that comes to mind is Glenn Beck.
1: Yes. And yes. I've,
0: been, I've, been, I've been warning about Glenn Beck since 2010. Originally, I was a very, uh, support...
2: Do we just lose you? Right. Right.
0: you. Yeah. There
2: we go. What's that? You cut out for about 20 seconds there. Yeah. Oh, made, right after you mentioned Glenn Beck, till just now. Yeah, okay.
0: I was very supportive of Glenn and and, and and his TV show and many things he was bringing out. And then in 2010, he started getting really weird, I thought. And he's really started promoting his Mormonism and New Age ideas. And, and, and I really began to warn that Glenn Beck is promoting ecumenicalism with his event on the lawn there in front of the Lincoln Memorial in D.C. and bringing it all face together. And we have him on video saying he was bringing all faiths together, including imams, and he literally had them literally locking arms as one faith under one God. Well, I'm sorry, Christians and Muslims do not worship the same God, and the honest Muslim will even tell you that. Their God is not a personal God. He would never have a son like a human or an animal. He would never lay down his life for anyone. And Jesus didn't even die on the cross, according to the Muslim. It was all faked and rigged. It was somebody else. And the Jesus of the Quran is really the prophet or forerunner to Muhammad. So again, if, they, if, the, the, if the Muslims, being honest, not trying to dupe the Christian, they would admit to you that they don't even believe the God of the Bible is God of Islam. But there's Glenn Beck having them all face lock arms, evangelical Christians, religious right people, Richard Land. I think John Hagee was there, and then you got imams, and that was so ecumenical and so offensive and I began to warn about people like Glenn Beck. Well, then he wrote his, and boy, I got a lot of people coming against me, saying things like, well, God is using Glenn Beck to bring revival. Uh, even one, the president of one Christian radio network uh, emailed me and said, God is using a, even a Mormon like Glenn Beck to bring revival. And I came back and said, absolutely not. God will not do that, use an unbeliever in spiritual enterprises because it contradicts God's word we're told in Ephesians 5:11 to expose those uh, unfruitful works of darkness. We're told in 2 Corinthians 6:14 through 17 to not be involved in spiritual enterprises with unbelievers. And if you are Christians, I will not bless you, I will not welcome you, I will have not I will not have favor on you. So God would not use someone like New Age Mormon Glenn Beck to bring revival. And so I begin to warn about that. This is a trap and this is Satan's ploy. He's used Barack Obama to scare the living daylights out of people and have them run toward a New Age Mormon like Glenn Beck. And the Bible says that Satan appears as an angel of light. Would it be that, that surprising then if his ministers also appear as as uh, angels of righteousness or, or uh, ministers of light so I think that's the false teachers that we see today, they have a form of godliness but they deny the power thereof the true gospel, and then Glenn Beck's book, Seven Wonders it Will Change Your Life came out, written with Dr. Keith Ablow well, I did a review of that book it was basic new age, mysticism, Gnosticism no one's going to hell you can earn your own salvation all roads lead to God, universalism And I kept warning, and I kept warning. And yet you have these people that kept uniting with him, like he's a Christian, like Ted Cruz. And I kept trying to warn about Ted Cruz and his wife, Heidi, and TPP, and all the things that Ted Cruz has been for, increasing uh, uh, amnesty and bringing illegals in here and bringing educated uh, B-1 visa uh, folks in here to take our jobs. And yet there's David Barton, there's Glenn Beck, there's Cruz talking about how this is a spiritual awakening, a spiritual revival. Let me tell you something. God is not going to bring a spiritual revival through anybody's campaign. The church is the church. The government's the government. Please, let's not confuse the two, and the missions are not the same. You can have unbelievers, great magistrates, great police, great sheriffs, great judges. We don't need to make these people into being Christians, and God's certainly not going to bring a spiritual awakening or revival through a politician. He brings it through the preaching of his word and the Holy Spirit and the conviction of sin, which comes by people hearing the word, the Bible says. So I began to warn about Glenn. And men, I'm telling you, I got emails, people saying, you're being used of Satan, God is going to use Glenn, and you're being used of Satan. And I thought, well, whatever. It reminded me of a quote by a man by the name of Vance Havner who many years ago said the devil's not fighting religion. He's too smart for that. He's producing a counterfeit Christianity so much like the real thing that good Christians are afraid to speak out against it for fear they might be fighting against God. That's exactly what was happening. People were saying, you can't go against Glenn Beck. You'll be going against God. And then yet, look at his teachings. He goes to Liberty University, and in his commencement address, he says, I am that I am. It's a title for God. Never use it in vain. Use it to create what you want to become. I am blank. And then he started teaching this on his TV show. We have the video. That is nothing more than the law of attraction. That is what is taught in the secret. Put out a book and DVD and promoted by Oprah Winfrey. That is basic New age shamanism that says that your words have the power to create. That's shamanism. You go into a tribe where they have a witch doctor and practice shamanism, and that's what it is. Today, we call it the word of faith movement, positive confession, name it and claim it, the prosperity gospel. And you know what it really is? It's white magic. White magic is anytime you take. The name of Jesus, the name of God, twisted scripture, and you use that as a wrapping around occult practices. That's white magic. I could give you a list of tons of things done today in the name of Christianity and evangelicalism. That's white magic. Contemplative prayer, breath prayers, centering prayers, soaking prayers. That's really that's really the kind of things you see going on uh, with uh, mind altering. Uh, transcendental Meditation But today we we quote a few Bible verses As a mantra out of context And we call it Contemplative Prayer It's nothing more than what the New Agers And the the, the Yogis have done On Hinduism for years Dissolve the natural world, enter the spiritual world And by the way, my friends who have been in the occult Tell me who did this as unbelievers This is where they met entities or spirit or master guides That once they became Christians They realized they were communing with demons We also do things like Jesus Calling, which sells 10 million copies by Sarah Young. Well, Jesus told me to write this down and give it to the church. What are you, a prophet and apostle now? No, the canon is closed. Interesting, in the introduction of that book, what does she say? What inspired her to write that book? God Calling from the 1930s. That book was written by two mystics. So, Glenn Beck, and when we come back from the break, I can show you, I believe Jesus talked about men like Glenn Beck to his disciples as a sign of his second coming. Let me say that again. If they will stay tuned, after the break, I will show you scripture where I believe Jesus is telling his disciples, here is one of the signs of my second coming, not the rapture, the second coming, and I believe Jesus was talking about men like, like Glenn Beck as a sign of the second coming.
1: That's a wow that's a great cliffhanger as we as we approach the break so um just wow okay so we're folks we're talking with brandon house i mean i don't know how else to say this but i truly believe god has given us uh, the platform to bring you people such as brandon house the the, the um the level the of of information that he provides, he's the author, a very prolific author, author of the book um, Twisted Scripture, Twisted Theology, author of Religious um, Trojan Horse, as well as The Coming Religious Reich. Uh, that that's a fantastic. they're all great books, by the way, folks. All of them great books. We we do have about a, uh, about two minutes left here, uh, uh, Brandon. Uh, th- right, tell well, us again. I can give
0: the scripture if you want.
1: Well, yeah, go go ahead, and then we can... Yeah, go ahead. Why don't you do that now?
0: Okay. His disciples asked Christ, what's the sign of your second coming? And in Luke chapter 21, verse 8, here's what we read. Luke chapter 21, verse 8. And he said, Take heed that you not be deceived, for many will come in my name, saying, I am he. And the time has drawn near... Therefore, do not go after them. Now, what's very interesting is, I don't care if you're looking at the King James, New King James, English Standard Version, New American Standard, whatever you're looking at. Your your translation, your version of the Bible uh, will have the word he in italics. So for many will come in my name saying, I am he. And notice the word he is in italics. Why is it in italics? Because it was not in the original manuscript. Because there's another passage of Scripture that talks about, many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ. The, the, the translators put the word he in there, thinking it was more consistent with what was being said in another gospel. But in the original translation, the man in the original autograph, what Christ really said was, when men come in my name... For many will come in my name saying, I am. I am. What do you mean, many will come in my name? Many will claim to be Christians, run around saying they're Christians, and they'll say, hey, I am that I am. It's a title for God. Never use it in vain. Use it to create what you want to become. I am blank. Your words have the power to create. Say what you want to be. Positive confession. What do we have today? So-called Christians coming in the name of Christ teaching I am what Jesus really said is when men run around claiming to be Christians claiming to represent Christianity claiming to represent me and they come to you and say I am you better look out the second coming is is near Man, because again that's... the word he the word he is not in the original Jesus didn't say when men say I am he he said when men say I am you better look out
1: that is I, I got it I mean, now that makes sense. Not that it didn't before, but the clarification, folks. Man, go back and listen to that again. Brandon House is our guest. His website, um, weekendworldview dot com. That's I'm sorry, worldview. What am I saying? worldviewweekend.com. dot com. Somebody help me. Somebody, okay? worldviewweekend.com. dot com. We're going to be right back. Put me on my misery during the break, Joe. Doug Hagman with Lawrence Joe Hagman, something I like to call America's premier father-son investigative reporting team. Sometimes, you know, sometimes, I don't know, I don't know. Our, our guest is Brandon House, and I screwed up his website earlier. Folks, don't listen to me, okay, um, when I screw up. How's that? Worldviewweekend.com. I can look at the words right on the, on the page and the and screwed up, worldviewweekend.com, worldviewweekend.com, an essential part of our programming. Really, it is. Uh, Also, you know what? He's got a great, great, brand-new video channel. That's wvwtv.com, which essentially stands for worldviewweekendtv.com. That's wvwtv.com. All right, so bookmark both of those sites. Go to Amazon. Just grab a hold of any one of his books. They're all good. They're all fantastic. I, I received an email, somebody listening live, where it's very late or very early for them in the United Kingdom. I want to say thank you so very much for your email, saying that they feel the uh, the presence of uh, uh, it's uh number one they said it's, it's so great to hear the truth and uh being spoken, and number two, they feel the presence of the Holy Spirit uh within the 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 guest with brandon house so uh, that's i guess mission accomplished on our behalf Joe yeah um
2: we're brandon winter our last segment we got uh about twenty eight minutes. Where do you want to go this this last half hour?
0: Well, one of the things i'd like to mention is is one other thing, if I could, I, one of the things that are splitting, I don't know, I don't know. see, I, I I run into this a lot because of what I talk about in my show. I don't know what you run into a lot. I don't even know if this topic is on your radar or the radar of your listeners. One of the things I see splitting a lot of families and friends and churches in America today, Uh, is the battle going on between the Calvinist and the Arminians. Are are you aware of that fight and battle going on within many churches and church denominations?
1: No, just the larger picture of... No, not that, though. Not specifically. Go ahead.
0: Okay. Well, maybe then let me bring something new, because I bet you a lot of your listeners have heard this. Calvinists, and again, that's a loaded term. What do you mean by that? Uh, but there are those who believe and teach as uh, the idea that we are people are only saved by the Holy Spirit revealing their sin to them and Christ calling them, or choosing them, or having them predestined to salvation. And then there are others that are, are called Arminians who believe that no. I choose to accept Christ. I choose. It's me, all me. And these are your Calvinists and your Arminians. And many of them would agree on many vital issues and theological issues, but they're they're, they're fighting each other within evangelicalism and splitting families and friends and churches over this. I want to show you something.
2: And and not to interrupt you, but we have heard um, many people talk about this. We've actually had a few shows where, We've um, debated and, and talked with people about this issue. I just haven't heard We haven't okay. heard it put in that context of the uh, denominational um, differences.
0: Oh, yeah. Denominations and churches are being split over this. I want to show you something real quick with two passages of Scripture that I think will show your audience, and here's why I'm trying to bring it up, is to show your audience the importance of understanding the Bible Uh, so that we not only understand what's going on in the Middle East, what's going on in Russia and Iran and Turkey and Afghanistan, what could be going on with uh, the attack of our power grid, why America is not mentioned in the last days, false teachers like Glenn Beck, but maybe even to learn how we can go to the Scriptures to handle arguments among fellow believers, and that we can then have peace and unity together through the Scriptures And then together, work together to accomplish some of the things we need to do, including fulfilling the Great Commission. So go to Matthew chapter 11, if you have your Bibles, and verse 27. Matthew chapter 11, verse 27. All things, this is Christ speaking, all things have been delivered to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father. Now listen to this. Nor does anyone know the Father... Except the Son and the one to whom the Son wills to reveal him. Hey, that's pretty clear. People cannot understand their sinful depravity, fallen state, their need for a godly sorrow that produces repentance unto salvation, as described in Second Corinthians seven, nine through eleven, unless the Son wills to reveal himself to them. That's what? that's 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 election. That's That's predestination. That's election. That's predestination. But look at verse 28. Come to me, all ye who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. What's verse 28? Come! 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 No one's being told, hey, you can't come. No one will be in hell saying, well, I wanted to believe, but I wasn't allowed. What do you see right there? You see, predestination, election, chosen from the foundation of the earth, chosen before the foundation of the earth, the Bible says. Your name is written in the Lamb's book of Life before the foundation of the earth. But then look at where verse 28 says, come, come. You see, this is what is known theologically as an antinomy, an apparent contradiction. It's an apparent contradiction Man's responsibility Why do we have responsibility? The moral law Written in our heart and mind Universal consent We all know Universally it's wrong to steal Lie, cheat, commit adultery, murder It's been placed in our heart and our mind Romans 1, Romans 2, Romans 3 tells us that General revelation, creation The heavens declare the glory of God The firmament showeth its handiwork Man's responsibility. There has to be a creator. Look at this order and design. Man's responsibility. And then when man says, ah, I really want to understand this, the Holy Spirit can move in. Providentially, God brings a missionary to that tribe, to that village. And I know of a tribe. I know of a tribe in a remote part of the earth, in the middle of the ocean. And those people wanted to know the life the answers to life and death. They had a witch doctor. They knew the demonic side. They knew people were dying. And they said there has to be a good side if there's a bad, evil side. And they literally would put the dead on a raft with different types of grasses and flowers on the raft and send them out in the ocean hoping that people would know by the type of grass and flowers on the raft with the dead people where they were and to bring them to answers to life. That happened in the 1950s. Happened to be the same year Four missionaries were born A husband and a wife And a husband and a wife They were all four born about that period of time They grew up They desired to become missionaries God providentially led them to Indonesia And they walked into this tribe And the day they walked into the tribe Providentially, the leaders were sitting around the campfire Talking from the different villages Having a meeting And here they walk in with their translator And they said, we have the answers for you for life and death and my missionary friend who I've known for 30 years who was one of these men he said their jaws dropped open and they looked at their translator and said why are they so shocked and they talked and he said they have been waiting for years for you they knew you were coming you see God providentially knew they wanted to know he providentially provided for them to know now look over real quick if you would at John John chapter 6 let me show you one other verse Because we just saw it in Matthew 11, verses 27 and 28. How about if I show you this in one verse? Not two verses next to each other. That's pretty amazing, though. How about if I show you the same idea in one verse? John chapter 6, verse 37. All that the Father gives me will come to me. And the one who comes to me, I will by no means cast out. What do we have? Give. Give. Give The Father gives them to me, yet they come to me. Yes, man's responsibility and predestined, election, chosen from the foundation of the earth. They're both true. They're two sides of a coin. It's an apparent contradiction, but it's not. It's an antinomy. They're both true. And and I I mention this so we can know that we need to stop fighting on these things and go to the Scriptures that will will resolve these apparent problems many Christians are having. But then what it also does is shows us, it's not my job to get someone to walk the aisle, say the sinner's prayer, baptize, and play some kind of game with them to walk the, the aisle and sign the card and do a formality. No, that's not my job. All my job is to do is teach the truth, proclaim the truth, it's the Holy Spirit's job to draw them, to bring them. And so I hope by showing those two verses, we can put that argument aside for many, many people, and also show ultimately, by going to the scriptures, we can actually resolve many of the arguments we have with believers, uh, and many people who are believers, who argue over these things, so that we might have unity. And the only reason we can, way we can truly have unity is around biblical truth.
2: Amen to that. Um, in your book, switching subjects here, in your book, grave influence, you talk about uh, John Maynard Keynes and the influence he still has on the um, on America and the world today. Can we get into that a little further? But by,
1: by the way, uh, Joe, uh, but I got to tell you this. I I just uh, and I didn't mean to interject. I do want to interject this. Um, there, I watched an interview. I believe it was with uh, James Carville. I believe he actually quoted. And I fell out of my chair John Maynard Keynes Um, I I just thought it was kind of interesting at this time in our nation's history quoting John Maynard Keynes but go ahead sir
0: yeah well John Maynard Keynes uh, was one of the folks that was part of what we would call Keynesian economics. He was a member of the British Fabian Socialist Society. If you remember, Fabian Socialism was founded in London in 1883. If you remember the Fabian window that has the two people uh, banging on the hot earth. It was created by George Bernard Shaw. The Fabian window, the stained glass window. Two men uh, banging on a hot globe that's on fire that's just come out of the fire behind one of the men and they're banging on it uh, with gavels on 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 uh, on an anvil. And and it says in the stained glass window, remold it near to the heart's desire. So what are they doing? They're, the world's in a fi- on fire. It's in a crisis, and they're taking advantage of the crisis to remold it the way they want to have happen. That's what they're doing now: immigration, financial, all these things, crisis. Maybe that's one reason they want an EMP attack. We'll let it happen. They want a crisis. They want to get rid of a bunch of us. They're into sustainable development. They think most of us are a blight anyway, and they want to offer us up, if you will, as a sacrifice to Gaia Earth worship. And I'm not kidding. And that's what Hitler did. Hitler's uh, uh, slaughter of the Jews was really nothing more than old German paganism and offering up the Jews as a sacrifice to Mother Earth to bring about sustainable development, green energy, and that's a whole other program. But this is... The Fabian socialists—they want problems because they use the chaos to bring about what they want. So remember the Fabian social society. Remember the Fabian window. Well, John John Maynard Keynes was a Fabian socialist, and he believed that anytime government spending slowed down—I mean, no, anytime spending slowed down or the economy slowed down—then the government would become the primary spender to jumpstart the economy again. And remember, Fabians want socialism by evolution, not revolution, over time. And John Maynard Keynes is the reason the Depression lasted longer. He put the government in charge of spending a lot of money, uh, and that's why it drew, the Depression drew out longer. But John Maynard Keynes was a homosexual. He was actually into pedophilia. This is a matter of documentation in my book, Grave Influence, which they can get on my website. But John Maynard Keynes also said this. A continuous process of inflation of government can confiscate secretly and unobserved an important part of wealth of their citizens. By this method, they not only confiscate, but confiscate arbitrarily, and while the process impoverishes many, it actually enriches some. The process engages all the hidden forces of economic law on the side of destruction, and it does it in a manner that not one man in a million can diagnose, end quote. (laughs) Well, that's what we see happening with the Federal Reserve created in 1930 they're not federal they have no reserve they've inflated our currency it's now worth about three or four cents in purchasing power as it was in 1913 they've stolen our wealth from us John Maynard Keynes also helped start the International Monetary Fund the International Monetary Fund which by the way just accepted October 1st the Yuan the Chinese Yuan into their basket of world reserve currencies well isn't that interesting Because the BRICS system, this banking system made up of Brazil, Russia, India, China, and uh, South Africa, the BRICS system, huh, they're going to go their own way with their own system. They won't need the American dollar as the world reserve currency. They won't need the American dollar as the petrodollar to buy oil anymore. Soon, that's coming to an end. And who can you thank for that? people like John Maynard Keynes, who created the International Monetary Fund, which just added the yuan to their basket of currencies, and you start seeing pretty quickly America becomes irrelevant economically, now we see America becoming irrelevant militarily, and the order is all moving to Europe. Oh, well, where is the International Monetary Fund based? Well, Washington, D.C. But who dominates them? The Europeans. You see how it's all going back to Europe. And it's going to be going back to a european euro central government based on Keynesian economics based on uh fabian socialism and uh, this is what w- what is happening now and you can call it internationalism statism globalism uh socialism you can call it socialism mixed with uh capitalism called communitarianism but this is the route we're going and
1: um oh, most Americans, unfortunately. I mean, I mean, it, it, almost, well, almost, uh, regardless, it, 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 the, uh, Keynesian theory, theory of economics, um, as we see being used and, and, uh, well, as we see taking place right now, I mean, it, this is making a uniparty out of the right and the left. I mean, the right and left, as you point out in your book, Religious Trojan Horse. You know, you warn that the left and the right politically are merging in many ways, and, and yeah, this uh, is this is key. Go ahead. Go ahead,
0: Yeah, well, I'll give you an example. Here you have the Southern Baptist Convention with its uh, leader that runs the Religious Liberty Ethics Commission, Russell Moore. Russell Moore with the Southern Baptist Convention, okay, that's religious right. He, by the way, is bemoaning the religious right while he runs around with a lot of them, as well as he runs around with the religious left. He's working with groups, along with other pro-family religious right leaders, are working with the evangelical immigration table. Who's funding the evangelical immigration table? Well, according to Breitbart, George Soros. Who's George Soros? A globalist, a graduate of the London School of Economics. What's the London School of Economics? That's the Fabian School. The Fabian School, the Fabian Society started that. You see these guys running around promoting this amnesty, and the government giving over a billion dollars to these different religious organizations to push this amnesty. And by the way, they're dropping most of these immigrants down in, in Republican states so they can win, win electoral victories. But who's doing this? The right. How are they doing it? Twisting scripture. And I think many of them getting money from the left. So yes, social justice, Immigration, Dominion theology, the idea that we've got to take over governments and implement the kingdom of God on earth, these groups, many of them are merging. Isn't that interesting that the evangelicals that buy into the idea that Christians' got to take dominion and take over the government, which is ridiculous. Jesus said in John 1836, "My kingdom is not of this world, it's not from here. If it were my disciples would fight to keep me from being turned over to the Jews. Daniel 244, Daniel: 244 says that God brings his kingdom. Uh, we don't build it. God brings it. Uh, But these Christians teaching dominion theology work with the Mormons who believe in dominion theology, who work with the Catholics who believe in dominion theology, who work with the New Agers who believe in a dominion theology. Isn't it interesting? They all have the same eschatology. Man's got to take dominion take control. They're going to all work together for social justice, dominion theology, the moralizing. I guess they'll worry about who's going to have dominion once they all get it. But now that explains why you see all this ecumenicalism coming together, and that dominionism, that social justice, that social gospel, that ecumenicalism is what's going to end up leading to the building of this one-world harlot church of Revelation chapter 17, verse 1, that eventually leads to a one-world economic and political structure that builds this city Babylon, the Eurocentric world government headquarters. And yes, I could give you many examples of how the right and the left are merging, and uh, th- but those are just a few.
2: Very interesting, uh, Brandon. We have ten uh, minutes left in this segment. Um, I want to get to this question before we run out of time. What do you see as the greatest threat to the church today?
0: Hands down, false teachers. That's the number one. Je- Jesus himself said it to his disciples in Matthew 24. Uh, he, kept, he, he said to them, you know, you, you, there's going to be wars and rumors of wars and plagues and pestilence and all these things, but the number one thing he keeps warning about is false teachers over and over again, false teachers. That's the greatest threat to the church. People who claim to be Christians but twist the Scripture, teach it out of context for their own agenda, for their own profit motive, uh, for their own power motive, that's the greatest threat. And and frankly, false teachers are not only a sign of the times, false teachers are two things. Number one, they're a judgment of God. Why are we seeing so many false teachers? It's part of God's judgment, is, is false teachers. Number two we see in the Old Testament that false teachers are a test to see who will be faithful to God. When I stood up against Glenn Beck vocally on my TV and radio show and my books starting in 2010, I got a lot of criticism. I mean, a lot. Now, thankfully, some of those folks actually went out of their way to email me later, months later, even a year or two later, and say, I apologize, you were right, you saw it, I didn't, and I apologize. Well, amen. But I could have... Knuckled under, I could've just buckled under the pressure, but I believe people like Glenn Beck and false teachers are a test to see who will be faithful to God. So the increase in false teachers, number one is for judgment, number two it's a test to see who will be faithful to God. So I think that's one of the the greatest threats to the church today are wolves in sheep's clothing, and uh, that's what Paul said in acts twenty uh, to 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 warn. It actually says to watch, watch for men who have risen from within. And when you're watching, then it says warn. And then when it, when you're warned, he said, "I did it with, I ceased to, I ceased, I did not cease warning night and day with tears." I, I see our marching orders right there. Watch. That's what you guys do. You watch. You watch what's going on. Then you warn. And you have guys like me on. And last night I had Mike Jinder on. You watch. You warn. And then you weep. Why are you weeping? Because you're brokenhearted for the people that are being led astray. Because Amen. at the end of the day, it's a spiritual problem, it's a spiritual issue, and these people are going to be destroyed if we don't bring them the truth. So we got to watch, we warn, but we weep, and we do it with humility and love and compassion. Not so we can just win an argument, because we can win the argument and lose the battle, can't we? We, we <laughs> weep with humility and compassion for the loss.
1: Yeah, I, I, you said, and that is such a beautiful assessment statement. Thank you. And I just want to say this. I think Thank last you. time you we on, you
2: mentioned um, the a book that Glenn Beck wrote with. Uh, I think it was Dr. Keith Ablo. Yeah, he just. And mentioned I, remember, it. Um, I I got that book too, and I, I I read that. And the first day I started reading that, I remember um, seeing in there why Glenn, he Glenn Beck explained why he chose the Mormon religion and It
0: mm-hmm. was because it worked that's for him. You know like why he said
2: he
1: said it worked going. for him.
0: He chose it because it worked for him. Well, what does that mean?
1: Well, first it was about his wife. I believe, the
0: truth. Huh?
2: and the, yeah, and then first it was about the, his his wife, who wasn't his wife yet, is why he he started yeah. to get into it, and then that's where he went after that. But there was no, yep. um, and that kind of opened my eyes to that um, right away. That reading that book, and I got that book because I I thought Glenn Beck was interesting, and and exactly what you know. Um, you were probably um, emailed why you were telling it like it was, because everything sounded good. But then once you start to dissect what he was saying and and, uh, see it for what it is, it was very troubling, and it did not
1: make sense. And what is
0: happening to Glenn Beck today? Are you guys keeping track of what's happening to Blaze, according to the news reports? Yeah. He's crashing and burning, isn't he?
1: Yep, yep and we would expect the same fate and that's something people need to understand i think because we as watchmen and this is my belief you know we can never squander any opportunity we can never uh uh misguide people we, we i mean we have we have an awesome responsibility i believe and uh, i oh hey, yeah you yes. know we're we're going to make mistakes we flat out i'm going to tell you we're going to make mistakes but one thing that uh, we will never ever ever do is mislead, intentionally mislead, especially in matters of salvation and matters of the gospel. And we're so thankful to have people like yourself on. Uh, what a wealth of knowledge. Before, here we got a couple of minutes left of the show. W- would you mind leaving our audience? Because every day they wake up, the headlines are dire. Um, how about a word of encouragement? based on the many topics that that we've covered tonight.
0: Absolutely, and thank you, gentlemen, for having the courage to have me on, for having the courage to have on someone last night like uh, Mike Gendron. I mean, you guys are bold, and I think that's why your audience is growing. You know, tonight we have talked about Ezekiel. We've talked about these nations that are mentioning Ezekiel, Russia, Iran, Turkey, Afghanistan, these nations that the Bible says will come against Israel. Don't we see those nations today forming coalitions and pacts? the Marxists and the Muslims. But see, the Bible told us it would happen. Then we went over to Luke, chapter 21, and we see Jesus himself warning that people will say, I am, right before his second coming. And yet, isn't that what we see so many people saying today? We see so many things listed in the scriptures that are coming to pass. In our last time together, we talked about Genesis 10 and Genesis 11, and the Tower of Babel, and then eventually this will all come back to Revelation 17, the mother of harlots there in Babylon, where it all began. You see, here's the good news. The Bible tells us so much of what is happening and what will happen if we will just study the Bible and, under- and believe it to be true, because it is true, and re- ask the Holy Spirit... To reveal the truth of his word to us, that we might understand it, have the spiritual eyes to understand it. People say it all the time, How do you do what you do without being depressed? Because you study some negative things. Yeah, but you know what? I'm constantly studying how the Bible's true, the things I see happening. Now, I don't start with the newspaper, I start with the Bible. And then I look at the newspaper and I say, Wait a minute, the Bible seems to explain something like that. Maybe indeed the stage is being set for Bible prophecy to be fulfilled. How remarkable. We have a supernatural word written by a supernatural God. So my word of encouragement to folks is stay in the Scriptures. Stay in the Scriptures. Study the Bible. Study it in context. Find a good Bible teacher. Get some Bible concordances and commentaries. Dig it for yourself. You can do it. You're smart enough. Dig, learn, study. And you know what it'll do? It'll only help you understand the times, but it'll help you have peace. It surpasses all understanding. In fact, Jesus said that to his disciples, I've told you these things will happen, so you will have peace. So you want peace? Study your Bible, understand it. The Holy Spirit will help you understand it
1: man thank you so very much brandon house you've been a tremendous guest tonight uh... i just again thank you so much for your gift of time i know you're a busy man you've got so many initiatives going i mean you're going all the time Um my goodness uh, folks uh, brandon house his website is world uh, yeah worldviewweekend.com that's worldviewweekend.com brand new tv or uh, video channel that's uh, wvwtv.com as well god bless you my friend thank you until next thank time thank you guys thanks for having the courage day. to have me on hey no problem at all thanks for coming on. all right folks. thank so, you guys all right folks that'll do it uh for us to t- tonight uh i would urge everyone please watch hagmanreport.com and w- tomorrow night uh rick Wiles son's going to be on with us on oh, no, the last hour yeah
2: yeah to yeah. talk about a movie project that he's been working on and he'll be on in, in the third hour and we have uh, a couple of guests separate guests in hours one and two and it's going to be a fantastic show
1: yeah I'm, I'm excited about uh, uh, Jeremy Wiles is a, is a great young man and he's got some good, good information folks again we are living in the most dangerous period in American history in, in modern day please understand what we're facing we hit I believe we hit a little bit the first hour watchhagmanreport.com take a look at that check it frequently because maybe I'm going to be putting some things up there based on inside information that we're getting from people within the within the patriot group within the intelligence venues NYPD and other organizations not that we've got an exclusive but I think you can relate Our information has been pretty spot on over the last couple of weeks. I just want to say thank you from the bottom of our hearts for listening. God bless each and every one of you. Stay safe. Always hit your knees. Pray, 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 and saddle for battle.